the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Little Rock and surrounding areas. Um, I am Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Dave Ellswick is taking a very, very well-earned vacation day. Uh, Yesterday was his birthday. We want to wish Dave a happy uh i guess another 49th birthday whichever <laughs> one it is but uh yeah dave's uh, taking the day off and and enjoying his birthday with his family again i'm alan kerr in for dave and this afternoon we have with us a uh bright beautiful young lady who is named by the name of Lori miller she is the founder and president of arkansas animal alliance ah thanks for having me today thank you i'm not going to sing happy birthday Let's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, but we have her in the, uh, this afternoon to talk to us about uh, the great and, and necessary work that she and her volunteers do, um, taking in uh, animals, primarily dogs, uh, I'm assuming, because mm-hmm. uh, we're not cat people. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I like cats, but two of my dogs will um, attack and kill them. So well, I'll avoid not, the yeah. cats. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cats are kind of uppity. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Lori has been doing lots of uh, very good work and uh, with Arkansas Animal Alliance. And I'm going to let her talk to us just a little bit about um, how that got started, why she is so passionate about it, and um, uh, why this is such a necessary service. Lori? Thank you. I started rescue with my local shelter in um, 2009. And as I moved out of the city, I realized that there was a great need in the county for animals to, especially dogs, to um, be rescued and a safe haven because there were not any local animal shelters. So um, when I started realizing the, the lack of animal shelters out in the county, that really became a, a passion to me. So in 2015, I founded Arkansas Animal Alliance. We primarily focus on the counties without um, any animal control or animal shelters, and unfortunately, we cannot help them all. And I also have um, some other resources that sometimes if there's a, a dog that I can't help, that I can, you know, possibly ask for other assistance as well. So I try to utilize my other resources, resources there. Unfortunately, Arkansas 
we have a lot of um, strays, and we don't have very good spay and neuter laws. So you can find a a dog just about on on every corner. You find them, um, people trying to sell them and get rid of them online constantly. So we're always battling battling that as well because we really need to push for rescues and and shelters to get their dogs adopted that are sterilized and not um, not the ones that you can buy online that are not are not sterilized so my passion just really became the outside city limits where these dogs had no place to go well that brings up another question you just you hit on something i didn't realize of course everything can be sold online nowadays um i don't know why the dogs wouldn't be able to but um that i mean that's kind of up there with trafficking of some kind what I mean, it, literally, there's no law that says you can't sell a dog online. You know, Craigslist and a, a license or anything like that. <clears throat> Not that we want more regulation, you understand? Right. But, uh, right. The um, there are kennel licenses that you have to have if to be a licensed breeder. And I'm not going to pretend to know all those specific rules, um, but to give you an example, I think if you have more than two females and um, breed them more than once a year, then you're required to have a kennel license or something similar like that. Yeah. So a lot of people can fly, easily fly under the radar and just have puppies. Right. Now... You also have to realize that who are you going to get to actually enforce? Oh yeah, there's these we've got laws. we've got larger problems. Exactly. I, I get it. So exactly. <clears throat> so even if you do find someone, if you know all the the rules about being a licensed breeder, if you find someone who is not following the rules, right? Trying to get someone um, authorities to listen and shut them down, that's um, that's that's a whole issue that, you know, we could have a whole nother hour yeah, to talk about. I bet. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> who do you find, how do you find go about finding folks to uh, who are interested in, in uh, rescue dogs? I mean, I, I got one, you and you and a, another um, cohort partner um, were responsible indirectly for me getting my little, little dog. We call <laughs> Your him, little mutt. My little mutt. He's, he's a little completely totally black dog that is um um what we what my wife my wife calls a ponchador uh, that's a like designer a, dog a dis- by the way uh, is it really yeah that's a designer dog yeah yeah <laughs> wink wink uh let's go with that um let's not tell him he's he's he thinks he runs the place anyway but uh i mean he's uh uh part pomeranian part chihuahua part black lab Mm-hmm. And everybody always raising eyebrows. Oh my goodness, how'd that happen? I can't tell you, but he sure as heck looks like a little black lab. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, it, we do a you, lot of begging. Yeah, what we you do, do a lot is, of begging. Uh, yeah, well, you you say that, but <laughs> for me to get this little puppy, I had to fill out a seven page application. Right, and um. I mean, it took less paperwork to get a house. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, and then uh, to my shock, uh, she wanted to come over and 
And, you know, do you want to meet him? Well, I said, sure I do. You know, when she got finally contacted us and I, I said, uh, where, where are you at? She said, oh, no, I won't come out to see you. So she came out to my house and I thought that was a little odd, but okay, maybe she's passing through or something. But, um, and then, you know, she brought him in and we were kind of playing with him in the floor and she started videotaping us with him. And I'm going, holy cow, it would be easier to adopt a child from Russia than it would be to get this dog. Um, but fortunately, we passed the background check <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we adopted uh, who we named Virgil. He's, it's his name is Virgil. A um, little story behind that name. We won't go into that right now, but uh, um, uh, we were very lucky to get him. And uh, he's now two years old and pretty much runs the house and. Well, we put a lot of time and effort and funds into the dogs that we rescue. Since I end up rescuing dogs that are, are strays and people ask me to if I will help them, when I commit to them, I don't know if they have heartworms. Um, I don't know if they have any other injuries that I may have to be financially right. responsible for. And I don't know if they're going to have any behavioral problems either. So whenever I take them in, you know, I'm, I'm fixing all their medical conditions, but I get them in and hopefully I can get them adopted, that they're right. uh, an adoptable dog and no aggression, um, which I will not, I, I won't adopt out a, a dog that's, that's aggressive, that's aggressive yeah. mind you. But you don't know what other little quirks they, they might have that might make them difficult. Right. To what kind of trauma they've, they've right. withstood and all that kind of thing there shell-shocked or, you know, PTSD for a dog. And you'd be surprised at the number of adoptions that I've done over the years mm -hmm. where we've talked and drilled and drilled people and said, okay, you know, you're getting this puppy. It's going to go home and chew. It's not going to be house-trained yet. Right. Are you ready for this? Or um, just, you know, whatever the case is with that specific dog. Right. And an hour later they're saying it's not working out. Well, you've not given the dog enough time to settle in. So when you do come and do a, a or home not check, you enough time to settle right, into the exactly. dog. Exactly. When you go and do a home check, you're you're when you have a small dog like you have, you're mm -hmm. kind of seeing is it a secure environment? Is the fence okay? Yeah. Um, so you're kind of getting that out of the way and um, kind of just making sure it doesn't look like you have a dog fighting ring <laughs> in right. your house as well right. because. People don't realize that when you post a, a dog or cat or anything online, that a dog fighter is going to not come up to right. you and look like a dog fighter. Yeah. So you yeah. don't know who your who your animals are going to. So it's it's good that they took that much you know well, care. Yeah. But I, one, I do one understand. Her, <laughs> one of her most concerned uh, issues was was I had a I've got a, a koi pond in the backyard. <laughs> She's a little concerned about the koi pond. I said, well, this dog's part black lab. I doubt seriously if he's going to have any problem with that <laughs> koi pond. But um, I mean, he's yet to be in it. He hadn't, He just sticks his paw in there and kind of waves at the fish as they go by. But uh, that's about it. He hasn't hasn't bothered to get in there or anything. It doesn't seem even curious about it. He he drinks the water, of course. But uh, other than that, he have no problem with it at all. Well, that's good. You kind of miss out uh, on the wet dog smell. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, that and the fact that it's only about uh, 10 inches deep in the deepest spot. So <laughs> he's not going to have any trouble with it. 
but uh but yeah i mean it, it's um she did a very good job i mean she looked at the fence and watched him in the backyard and things like that um but uh we're going to have to uh, go to commercial real quick and um uh we'll come back and talk with Lori miller more about uh, arkansas animal alliance just right after this And they called it puppy love. You can't beat oh, that. Uh-huh. Can't. That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, I, I requested that just for you, oh. for our guest. <laughs> so we're talking with Lori Miller uh, of uh, Arkansas Animal Alliance. I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. Dave is taking a, uh, a well-deserved couple of days off due to his birthday. Uh, what is this? His fifth 49th birthday. I don't know. Um, but, um, uh, I'm here, uh, pinch hitting for him this afternoon, talking with Lori Miller from Arkansas Animal Alliance and, uh, all the great things that she does for, uh, uh, for the community and, uh, for animal rescue in general. Well, thanks for having me here. Um, you know, one thing we definitely want to make sure we have time for is the importance of spaying and neutering. Yes, ma'am. Let's not forget about that. Well, before we get into that, though, give everybody your website address, your Facebook address, so that I'm positive there's probably a place that I could click on and send you money if I need to. Yes, yes, you can. You can (laughs) donate online. Um, It's ArkansasAnimalAlliance.org is my um, website, and you can just find me on Facebook, Arkansas Animal Alliance. And um, we currently have a kind of a big project going on right now where we're helping five um, dogs in Faulkner County that four have now tested positive for heartworms. And um, we're assisting the, the owner as well. We, it's not always just about helping the dogs. We, yeah. you know, we, have to, we help people too. And um, so it's, it's really a difficult situation that we're helping out with. Um, we're going to rehome two of the five dogs. We rehome had, yes <laughs> i love that yes we're gonna rehome <laughs> we are we're gonna rehome two of the dogs but um and she's wanting to to keep three for now but unfortunately four have tested positive for mm. heartworms and um that's going to cost us about 350 a piece to treat and that's not including medication we're feeding them right i mean there's just there's they also had some other illnesses that required antibiotics. We've got them on um, flea and tick prevention. They're going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, so find and, that donate button. Yeah, find that donate button now. <laughs> now, when you when you finally get these dogs back to health, what then? We are going to actually help her um, maintain the three dogs. Okay. So it's not always, you know, it doesn't always have to be about just finding a stray and rehoming it right they have a loving home she's not necessarily able to get all the vetting for them that they need but they are they are dearly loved and so we're going to help sustain that and how are we going to prevent the the reoccurrence of heartworms with things with heartworm prevention okay this is something they just didn't know how to do or wasn't aware of or they they did not have the financial means to do I it, see. and a lot they may not have been very educated in heartworm yeah. prevention either. Um, yeah, 
a lot of people don't realize how prevalent heartworms are in Arkansas. It seems like about 80% of the dogs we get into rescue are heartworm positive. Right. Well, you know, my family started out on a farm when I was extremely young, uh, long, long, long time ago. And um, we had, of course, you had dogs and cats running around the farmyard all the time, and nobody ever thought anything about No, they didn't. Did doing anything with them. And, you know, um, they were loved and they were petted, but um, they were kind of like the rest of the livestock around there. You know, you did what you what you did. Um, you didn't. You didn't sell dogs, and you know, you know that wasn't part of the market. So you you, you spent all of your attention on the, the livestock that you did right. um, did have a market for, and they were they were pets, you know. And right. and uh, a lot of people don't realize that that animals take a lot of maintenance. Yes, they do. A lot of responsibility. And um, but and if you if you check around, there are places where you can get low cost, um, you know, prevention. Right. So, you know, and they can ask call your, you and find some of that, can't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just call your local, you know, shelter and find out who is near you, what low-cost pay and neuter clinic, where yeah. can you maybe get some assistance <clears throat> right. with, with some of that. Let's talk about spay and neuter then. I mean, you know, I hated to do it to Virgil. Poor little guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, I said, hey, you know, it's 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 for your own good. You know, maybe he bought that. I don't know. It is. uh, It is. Well, um, you know, there's controversy on are they some will argue that they're healthier if you don't spay and neuter or if you spay and neuter after their first heat cycle or after a certain age. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not a vet, so I can't speak to that specifically. But um, if if you don't if a female dog doesn't have some of the the hormones, then they can't have like the mammary gland tumors and stuff like that. So yeah. it just it's common sense that it would reduce some of the the cancers. It's going to reduce some of the later on cost too. and the maintenance right. and all that kind of stuff if you do that. Now you're talking my my language. Right. If we're if we're looking at you know uh, uh, preventing. Um, future cost i'm all for it and for male dogs you have the prostate issues so if you neuter them that helps with that um yeah when when we talk about not you know preventing puppies and litters or kittens people will think well i can just sell that puppy or that kitten or they're cute and i have friends that i can just give them away or my my cat or my dog needs to be a mama for right. one time yeah oh my goodness yeah we we hear all the we hear all of them yeah well i, I can tell you the the little beagle that we had uh years ago um I, I i like i told you before we we went out to where you know these beagles were bred for hunting and so forth we picked one out actually she picked us out and uh um we uh, we picked her up, had all of her shots done and everything. Well, a couple of years later, and and we had her taken care of, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, um, a couple of years later, the guy that that did the breeding called and wanted to know if he could um, use our our dog for for breeding. And uh, I said uh, that's going to be hard. 
because we had her fixed. And he was very upset. He was very upset. But, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And, and honestly, with a beagle, man, that changes that personality oh, yeah. quite a bit. So, anyway, uh, we got about 10 seconds before we go to our next break. Uh, let's give them the website one more time. ArkansasAnimalAlliance.org. Okay. Donate. Thank you. We'll be right back. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick, taking a couple of days off to celebrate his birthday. I am here with uh, Jill, I'm sorry, Lori Miller of uh, Arkansas Animal Alliance and uh, founder and president of this, uh, this great organization. We're talking about rescue dogs and all the things, all the good, good things that you can do, uh, not only to, to rescue a dog, but what a rescue dog does for you personally. And, and all the, the, the great things and, and, and good attributes they can bring to your life. Well, we were talking about how um, during the commercial break that they can lower your blood pressure and, and calm you down. But, you know, sometimes they raise mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this is true. When you, when you catch them chewing on the, on, on the, the, the leg of the chair right. in the dining room, you know, that, that could be an issue. Right. Um, you know, to a, a dog or we'll throw a cat in there. <laughs> they kind of have their they have their own schedule, but a dog they just love you unconditionally. They know yes. when you come home from work. They they're happy to see you, even if your your spouse and kids are mad at you. Your dog is happy to see you. Yes, and um, so that's very that's, that's very thing. yeah it is yeah. it's very calming. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't always want to come home when our spouse or our kids are, are throwing a fit. But our <laughs> our dogs are usually yeah. not gonna be throwing a fit. Now yeah. I have one that that might, so he, he he might raise my blood pressure. Mine throws a little fit when I don't pet him when I walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, other have... than that, I mean they're great they're always glad to see you. They're always wagging their tail. Um they're just um just a wonderful addition to your life. And it makes you so happy when they're happy to see you. Yes. I mean, what a joy that that is. It really is. Um, when they're when you come home, you're sitting there watching TV, and they crawl up on the on the couch beside you and lean up next to you, mm-hmm. put their head on your on your lap, you know, and uh, um, you know, just there's just not a, a much better feeling than that. I mean, I and, even love mine when I go outside to play with them, and all of a sudden they see squirrel. And they go running off. Yeah. I'm like, I came outside to play with you. Well, that's men in general. <laughs> yeah. um, we have very short attention spans. Um, I do have three three boy dogs and one girl. So yeah, yeah. That would explain. We'll it. be driving down the road. My wife would be talking to me, and and all of a sudden I'll, you know, talk about. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, you know, and she'll holler squirrel. Yeah. You know. <laughs> okay, fine. But um, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're they're a wonderful addition to your life and to your family. Um, kids should grow up with with an animal in the house. It teaches them how to how to take care of things, how to take care of animals. It does. Hopefully, it, uh, maybe helps them take care of the grandkids when they start having them. Right. So, uh, and but, it's good for kids not to be to grow up afraid of right. of animals as well. You know, right. even if if you if they're not ever 
passionate about animals right. for them to not be intimidated by them is, well is and, good. and they're good for safety too you see a lot of uh folks who uh like to jog with their with their dogs mm-hmm. assuming the dog's large enough to jog with you and uh um for protection i mean they alert you to whatever's going on i know of a lot of been in the insurance business as long as i have i've heard many many stories of um animals alerting people to water running all over the floor or um even fires in the house unfortunately but um uh they're they're just a a great addition to your life and um i think everybody should have at least an animal in the house even if that means a cat yes we like we like cats too but um dogs dogs like us yes yes (laughs) what they say uh 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 Cats have slaves. Dogs have owners. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's it. You're you're a slave to your cat. Um, but but uh, I think we need to get you another dog. You only have one. No, we don't need another dog. No, he is an only <laughs> child. He is an only dog, and uh, he likes it that way. I like it that way. He doesn't have to share me with anyone. Um, but some people, you know. It's some dogs do better with another dog in the house. They do. That's Keeps why them from we being had. Bored. That's why we had more than one kid, so that you know the next one would you know, occupy the time or the, the attention of the other one. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes that doesn't. But um, um, yeah, I, I you know I just as soon have the one. Well, um, you know, it's some dogs. If you work with a shelter or a rescue. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to them. Don't go and decide that this dog is cute, so this is the dog I want. If you specifically only want one dog, talk to the shelter staff or the rescue, whomever you're getting the dog from, and find out, do you think this would be a good only dog, or do you think they need a companion? Right. Because some dogs really do, are going to thrive, you know, with a companion, whereas some dogs do prefer to be an only dog. Yeah, I mean, um, and a lot of times if you've got an only dog, it's best to get them out and socialize. Yes. Uh, we've taken them to, what is it, the Bark Bar downtown? Mm-hmm. downtown. Um, and we've we've had him, you know, around other dogs. My daughter has a little chihuahua that uh, um, she brings him home when she comes home, and he's a handful. But... Uh, um, you want them to be able to socialize with other animals, take them to dog parks and things like that. So um, it's okay to have a an only dog, but uh, they need to socialize too. Right. Not be bored and just, yeah. you know, laid up all day and and alone. Right. They right. need, they need their social animals. So right. they need you or another dog or some a cat, you know, to, right. to keep them company or a rabbit or something but yeah. to keep them company. Well, you can get a DVD and put it in the, the TV <laughs> that set. Might work like, too. My daughter does that. She he watches. Uh, what is it? He watches all day, like the Young and the Restless or something. He, he binge watches the Young and the Restless. Uh, no wonder he's depressed all the time yeah. when I see him. <laughs> so, but uh, um, dogs are a joy to have. Um, how would somebody go about uh, seeing if a, if a dog is right for them? I mean. We went to several shelters when we were talking about getting a dog and talked to them. We went to uh, 
Little Rock, North Little Rock, went to Maumelle, we went to uh, Pulaski County. Um, there's a lot of shelters around. There, there are a uh, lot of just, shelters. Just a lot of shelters. Um, but we, we tried to kind of hit them all and um, even went up to um, PetSmart has dogs there. Mm-hmm. On, They'll do adoption events. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. had a trailer out there with dogs in it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we went up there one day and, and some of the, the crosses with other dogs doesn't turn out pretty. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a, a German shepherd head and a, and a dachshund body. It was, it was strange. Sterilize your dog. Sterilize your dog. <laughs> wow. We don't, don't need any shepherd dachshunds out that's there. That's right. Uh, but I mean, a lot of these, these, uh, the, the pet stores will have them on a regular basis and um, lots of opportunities to to, right. to uh, dogs. And, and they'll, if you go, they'll let you interact with the animal. And put, you got a lot of times they have a little room or a little pen that mm-hmm. they put you in. You can interact with the, with the animal and see. Most shelters and rescues have a return policy as well that right. if it doesn't work out, that we, it's in the contract, <laughs> that, that right? seven-page contract that you signed. That's kind of like Colorado and children. I mean, they'll let you leave one at the at, at the fire station. Yeah. Did you know that? Don't Colorado. leave your dog there, yeah, though. Don't leave your dog there. Um, so it's in the contract that if it doesn't work out, that you return the dog to them. Right. And, um, you know, I want to encourage people to give your dog more than an hour to settle in. <laughs> no. yeah. I don't know how many adoptions that I've had over the years where you've talked and talked and talked to people, and they're like, oh, we know, give them time to settle in, and an hour later they're like, oh, it's not working out. Right, right. Well, we discussed this. Yeah. You know, it's just been literally an hour, It's not, or maybe even not overnight, and you've not given the dog a chance. Well, it's a training commitment. It is. It, I mean, you have to commit yourself that, I'm going to have to take time and train me with right. this dog. Um, and a lot of the, again, the pet stores, um, uh, for very little money, I think we got like six training lessons for a hundred bucks. Right. You can. And, uh, you know, you, what's that like $15 a piece? Um, that was, um, probably the biggest help. You know, we went over there on Saturday mornings, same time every Saturday, um, uh, they have a, a puppy training class and then they have a, a second grade puppy training class or something like that. He went, we went through two or three, uh, different classes with him and, um, uh, taught him how to sit, how to, how to lay down and all those things that you'd like to have your dog. And they ask you, what do you want to do with this dog? Do you want to walk with him? Do you want to, uh, uh, do you want to pl- want him to play? Do you want him to do all kinds of things? You want him to catch a Frisbee? They'll teach him how to catch a Frisbee. So, um, uh, it was extremely helpful. And you can YouTube anything. Uh, yes, so you can, can't you? you? need training advice, you just can. YouTube. Yeah. There's, there's, um, I think CBS has a guy that's on there on a regular basis on Saturday morning. I forget what they call him. Anyway, there's, there's lots of different ways to get lots of information. Right. Oh, yes, and, always. Uh, when, when, when Virgil is doing something, uh, new, like, you know, um, He's licking a particular part of his body a little more often than he should. You Google that and you go, oh, my goodness, this dog has glands that we're going to have to express. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And you you got got a choice. Yeah, you got a choice. You can 
you can either take him to the vet and let a professional do it, or they show you how to do it. Yeah, I only thought about 30 seconds on that one. I, yeah. This dog's going to the vet tomorrow. <laughs> it's worth that 20 bucks. Trust me. Um, oh, most definitely. Yeah. So, uh, you, oh, the advice we, we find online. Yes. 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 Um, My dog is thrown up and has been for days. And what do I do? Well, you take it to the vet. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first one on the top. <laughs> you know, call your I, veterinarian. I, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. Um, but uh, uh, there's a lot of things you need to leave to the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so if um, if someone's looking for a dog, what would you tell them to do? I tell them to research the breed, first of all. Right. Because so many people have this idea in their head that they want a, you know, a German Shepherd because they're right. beautiful or a Doberman or, it, you know, a little, I call them foo-foo dogs, a little yeah. shizu or poodle or something. Right. And they've not done their research on what their um, temperaments might be, what their personalities, what their training habits are. Um, little foo-foo dogs like shizus and poodles, yeah. you have to have groomed all the time. Right. I live out on acreage, and my dogs get into the pond. So, I mean, I can't imagine having a dog like that at at my house. Um, but for someone who doesn't want a shedding dog, but doesn't mind right. taking the dog to the groomer, right. do you do you want great. it to be an inside dog? You want it to be an outside dog? Right. Do you want a combination of the two? Right. Uh, do you want to have a doggy door? Do you you know how do you want how do you want to interact with the with the animal? Right. And, so definitely uh, research research the breed because it, it can't be sight alone on how you determine what dog you're interested right. in, which now, is what usually people do. It's like, oh, that dog is so cute. I want that one. Yeah. They don't even know anything about the dog yet. Trust me, when they get them home, they start behaving the wrong way. They don't An hour later. Anymore. They're not um, cute anymore. You said we could return this dog. <laughs> I'm done with him now. Um. I want to ask you one thing. Is there any real such thing as a dog that doesn't shed? The poodles and like the shih tzus and those what I call foo-foo dogs, they actually have hair and um, Yorkies. They have hair like we have. So it continuously grows. So their hair actually falls out like our hair falls out. So it's not, it doesn't, they shed basically the same way we do. So in that sense, they That's don't. Not good. They don't. Right. <laughs> I had a couple of dogs Some, with long hair. I've pulled several cats out of the drain. Right. Trust me. Exactly. Or, or for the men who are bald. Yes. Well. <laughs> they might have a bald dog before long. Yeah. But um, but so so yes, they they actually just um, they have hair like 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 we do, but yeah. they do require grooming. And to go to the groomer and be cut down and their ears right. cleaned and too much work for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to just throw mine in the bathtub and <laughs> clean them. I believe those are called Labradors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, so they, they do the research. They get it narrowed down to what kind of dog they think they want. Uh, what then? Well... 
I always want to say support your local rescue or animal shelter. So go to your local shelter first and start there. I mean, I would love to say come get all your dogs for me, but I can only rescue so many, so I may right. not even have the dog that, right. that you're looking for. Um, but if they called you, you might know somebody who exactly, does. Exactly, yes. And I tell people that a lot. I'm like, I'm on Facebook. I see the post. I'll, you know, if I don't have the dog, I might be able to direct you where to find it. Okay. But, um, um, but, but yeah, check your local shelter first and support your local shelter and local rescue. Okay. Going to have to take another break real quick. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick at B90. Uh, sorry, that was the wrong one. 96.5 the answer good afternoon this is alan kerr in for dave ellswick uh dave is taking a couple of days off and uh we're in uh, pitch hitting for him this afternoon i'm here with Lori miller the uh um owner and uh, president and founder of arkansas animal alliance she've uh, we spent the last hour talking about um dogs and uh, the challenges of rescue dogs and all the things that she does uh for the animal community um, tell us how we can get in touch with you, Lori, and, and uh, um, how to make those donations. My website is ArkansasAnimalAlliance.org. And if you want to just go to PayPal, which everybody kind of has PayPal these days, it's Arkansas.Animal.Alliance at gmail.com. So you can just shoot me some, some money that way. You can um, use snail mail. And send it to P.O. Box 242-887, Little Rock, Arkansas, 72223. And I'm sure that you will take not only donations but uh, time as well if you got someone who wants to uh, help foster a, an animal and, and uh, do some volunteer work. Yes, yes. Yeah. Please um, email me or find me on Facebook, Arkansas Animal Alliance or Arkansas.Animal.Alliance at gmail.com and um, be glad to work with you and get you set up to volunteer. Great. Is there a phone number they can call, you know, if they just want to just do the old-fashioned way and call you? Sure. They can call me um, at 501-590-9318. Sometimes you have to t- might text me because yeah. you might miss me. But you can text her. Yeah. Yeah. You're out. Trying to make real money, I'm sure. Yes, rescue is not my full time job. It's not a job. I pay. I pay rescue. I pay rescue. I pay to rescue. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one of those expensive hobbies. It is. It is. But it's it's a great one to have. It is. It's a God given passion. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you've uh, we'll reiterate a little bit. You've you've had this uh, since 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, it's been successful. Right. How many animals have you rescued, would you say, and since you've started this? We um, actually take in and foster on an average about 65 a year. But um, but then I have other resources that can help as well. So I can actually place them um, elsewhere if, if I can't help them directly. All right. Well, this has been Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. 96.5 The Answer. Uh, We want to wish Dave a happy birthday while he's off. And uh, thank you for Lori Miller for being in and talking to us about the passion you have about animal rescue. Thanks for having me. Spay and neuter. Yes, (laughs) ma'am.
<laughs> Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Steven. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T, lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Good afternoon. This is Alan Curry and for Dave Ellswick on 96.5 FM, The Answer. I have on the uh, live line this afternoon a uh, a very brilliant young lady by the name of Alex Kerr. Uh, in full disclosure, she is my daughter, but uh, um, much, much smarter than I am. But uh, we're going to talk with her this afternoon. She is um, finishing up her uh, education in, at SMU in Texas, and uh, her specialty is psychology, getting her master's in psychology. And we're going to talk this afternoon about uh, the family unit and about some social issues that are plaguing our, uh, our population nowadays. Alex, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Very good. How you doing this afternoon? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad I could uh, I could make it in. Good deal. Um, we'll just dive right in. Uh, first off, the uh, just a full di- little little disclaimer that the uh, the opinions of uh, Alex Kerr are that of her own and not of the radio station or even her father, who is the host this afternoon. But um, <laughs> um, uh, we will uh, we will. Uh, have this discussion about uh, the the family unit and and why she feels like the uh, the family unit is is in jeopardy and why it's deteriorating. So, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a really uh, a really good topic to touch on, um, especially in today's society when you know social media and um, you know other kind of advertisements have such an impact on the youth these days. Yeah, uh, let's talk about social media just a little bit. Uh, it's one of my hot topics, and and you know when I was growing up, decades and decades ago, um, we didn't have a lot of social media. Our social media might have been a telephone on the on the kitchen wall, and um, um, you know we 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 socialized at school, and uh, you know and and the places we went to eat at after school, but that was about the the the, the max of it. It's blown into every child has a social media device, um, even pretty young. And and uh, I think, don't you see, Alex, that, that kids are getting getting telephones, uh, iPhones, and so forth younger and younger. Um, and these are kind of taking the place of interaction with, with adults and and even their uh, uh, face-to-face of, of their own kids their own, own age. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, you know, I see a lot of times um, it really affects their ability to focus on one thing at a time, you know, um, always having that kind of device 
in their hands, even, you know, just having, like you said, face-to-face conversations, it's impacting their ability to focus on one thing and on that conversation and the people right in front of you because they've always got that other conversation going on this screen with them. Well, what do you think about uh, parents who just hand these to these children and uh, for basically babysitting devices? What? what? Yeah, used as a distraction. <laughs> well, not only a distraction, but but a a full blown um, escape from reality. I mean, I mean, you know, we had as you kids were growing up, we had uh, video games and things like that, and that was bad enough. And if you remember, we didn't really have video games in our house. Um, there was always homework to be done. But, uh, um, you know, a lot of parents have used that as a, as a tool for distraction. And, uh, you know, as a result, we've, we've gotten pretty sedimentary and o- overweight. And, um, you know, you, you see kids with their heads down nowadays. Yeah. And, well, uh, yeah. Kids with their heads down constantly, even walking around and never looking up. Um, so what do we do about that? I mean, uh, what can parents do? Um, I mean, even alongside that, I think kids aren't even being presented with the fact of the value of a phone, let alone even understanding how expensive those things are and just by how easily they're broken and just being handed a new one, not actually understanding the value of it. Um you know, I would say wait a little bit longer instead of introducing them to that technology. But, of course, they're used in other ways nowadays, you know, for um, after-school activities and letting them know their parents know when to pick them up and, and get in touch with them. Um, you know, and there's other ways that you can use those iPhone devices to your advantage as far as, you know, loc- locating your kid at all times. Um, but, you know, really understanding the value of um, – of quality time with your family, you know, really focusing on that, that time after the school hours and before the business hours. Right. So, you know, taking back to that um, family dynamic of having dinner around the table instead of just standing up over the sink and, um, you know, really communicating about each other's days. And that's how you stay in contact with your kid rather than having to keep a locator on them. Well, that's all true. And, and, but, Let's let's touch on that. You said something about um, dinner around the uh, having dinner around the dinner table and everybody mm-hmm. putting their phones away. Um, how does that help? I mean, you know, um, I'm a busy mom. I've got two or three kids. Um, I've had a hard day, and you know, my kids are fine. Uh, I I throw dinner on the table. They're all sitting there eating and looking down at their phones. Why is that a bad thing? Well, because alongside that, yes, everybody stays busy, but then you get, you know, distance between each other. You know, you, you realize you wake up one day um, months later and not understand what's going on with your teenage daughter. It's because you missed all that time that you had sitting in front of you. That's right. And communication is key, is it not? Yes, 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 yes. That's what we see in counseling, psychology, and all of those things is that, Miscommunication is so much easier because people are often having five different conversations at once. That's right. Well, because of the social media. In in the folks that you counsel, and, and again, I want to point out that Alex is still just a student and is not licensed, but she does do uh, counseling um, um, as part of her education. 
and is already into that. Can, can you tell us what um, what are some of the most common things that you see uh, with families and people that come in that you you have to, to counsel? Um, I mean, as far as like the the family, what, what family issues arise the most, or well, what are the most common family issues that you see when you counsel uh, people? What what are the most common denominators that you would see with a uh, uh, people that need counseling? Um, yeah, so um, a lot of times, it's kind of what we've already touched on—the fact that the, the miscommunication is the biggest key between families and between couples. Is that um, you know everyone feels so misunderstood, but the fact is they never actually give each other the chance to actually talk about what's going on in their lives and to explain and, and to make themselves feel heard and understood. So when you have moms that are, you know, talking about um, not having good communication with their, their daughters or, or dads not knowing how to speak to their sons, you know, the, the time is there and the communication could be there if they actually both block out enough time to give each other that, that opportunity. Well, you just you touched on something there. You, you said block out enough time. Um, in our busy uh-huh. lives today, neither the children nor the parents want to, quote, block out enough time. Do you really have to block out time, or can you just, um, like you said, uh, everybody's got to eat, so why don't we just all sit down and eat together? You yeah, know? absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, it, it kind of shows on what, what priorities you want to set in place. You know, if, if you want to make that a priority in your family, you know, there's, it's never too late to make that, that right. change. So many people just have children and they kind of do that as, as an event rather than they don't sit down and talk with each other and say, okay, we're going to have children. What kind of children do we want to have? What, what, what kind of human beings do we want to raise? What are the, the, they, they never sit down and actually talk about, um, what our parenting style is going to be. Mm-hmm. with each other, you know, and then as, as they do reactionary instead of, uh, offense, as far as children goes, I, unfortunately oh, it is absolutely. a defense and offense. Um, you know, it, it, we, we all know these, these issues are going to come up. In other words, at what age are we going to get them, let them have phones? Um, how are we going to keep them off of the, all these electronic devices so that they, they are actually, um, um, people who contribute to society rather than, um, a drain on society, you know, and, um, right. what kind of education do we want to ha- want them to have? Um, what kind of, 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 uh, opportunities are we going to try to make sure they, they have in front of them? In other words, um, are we going to let them play sports? Are we, you know, those kind of things. Nobody ever has those conversations. And it amazes me that, um, you know, again, we tend to be reactionary when we have children. Um, because mm-hmm. nobody has a, a handbook, so to speak. Um, I guess you could cr- probably Google some stuff. <laughs> My kid's doing this. Let's Google it and see what we're supposed to do. Um, right. But should should I limit their social media? Um, yes, to a certain extent. You know, it's all a balancing act, right? Because, you know, you, you don't want your child to necessarily feel outside of of what's going on um in the outside world and and it's good for them to be in touch with somewhat social media but to be you know eyes glued to the screen it you know dealing with comparison to 
you know, all these big um, stars and, and, and people in, in other worlds that they constantly, you know, it, it starts to cause other kind of, you know, body images and, and depression and anxiety. And because you want to be like the, the person that you see in these pictures that have been, you know, morphed and <laughs> to, to Photoshop. Yeah, Photoshop um, to where it's not actually real what they're looking at, but they, they're, they don't understand that. That's true. Well, I mean, let's let's talk briefly about um, with the families that you see. So many women mm-hmm. nowadays are having children uh, without uh, fathers involved. Okay. Um, okay. For whatever reason, and a lot of women, believe it or not, are making decisions. That, Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a baby, and I don't want a father involved at all. I'm gonna do this all on my own. Okay. Is that a good thing? Whether or not there's a male figure involved, correct. Um, I mean, there's no picture perfect family, right? I mean, when you're growing up, you you always have the the idealistic of of what your family dynamic is going to look like, but that's not always how it happens. And whether or not it's right or wrong, um, it well, kind of just depends on on how that family works out, though, right? Cause, right. Because everybody's different. Well, that's true, but, but granted, some things do happen, and sometimes you don't get to have the family that you've always dreamed of, and you don't get to have the, what they used to call a nuclear family, where you had um, a husband, a wife, and 2.3 kids. Um, but, I mean, we're moving so far away from the family unit um, where there are two parents and uh, involved in, in raising that child. Now, now granted, you know, um, whether the couple is together um, is one thing, um, you know, you can still co-parent, uh, a child with, without living in the same household, um, of course, but, um, you have to allow that to happen. Let's talk about, uh, depression and anxiety. I bet you see a lot of, a lot of your patients come in with a lot of depression and anxiety. Oh, Yeah. Uh, depression and anxiety is one of the most, um, both of the most common um, issues people come to counseling for. Okay. What happens um, when the uh, uh, the parent has a lot of depression and anxiety and they got a couple of kids at home? What happens then? Um, I mean, it causes stressors for the whole family dynamic, dynamic right? Because you know, even though a mom is trying to stay strong for their, their child and thinks that nobody notices and it's something that's um, internal, the whole family suffers from that. Yes, they do. Well, we're going to have to go to a break here real quick and make some money. Uh, hold on for us, Alex. We'll be right back. This is Alan Kerr, 96.5 The Answer, in for Dave Ellswick. We are back. This is Alan Kerr in for uh, Dave Ellswick. Uh, 96.5 The Answer. Dave has taken a couple of days off um, for his birthday. Well-deserved. Happy birthday, Dave, if you're out there listening. I'm on the phone on the live line with uh, Alex Kerr. She is a student at SMU in Texas, and uh, she is finishing up her master's in psychology. And we're talking with her a little bit about what she's learned and some of the problems, most common things that she's seen in her in her studies we were talking about depression and anxiety and uh the causes of that and and maybe some of the things that people can do to to diminish it 
Alex? Yeah. Um, so we were talking about the effects of depression and anxiety, you know, for a parent or a child um, in the family unit um, and its effects that it has on the whole family. Um, you know, so often I see that, that parents, moms and dads um, suffer from anxiety or depression, but um, don't really think that their kids can see that or, or are, can be a part of that. Um, but kids pick up a whole lot more than, than parents think. You know, you're, you're their number one role model. So how you deal with uh, stressors and, and jobs and relationships, um, you know, you're, you're putting on that, that role for um, your children as well. Well, what are some of the things that people can do to to offset uh, depression or anxiety or, you know, uh, feelings that that uh, that the world's uh, coming down around them? I know uh, women deal with things a little bit differently than men. Um, you know, women tend to worry about pretty much everything, and um, women, kind of, I mean, men kind of put things in a in their heads. They kind of box it up. So, what are some of the things that that they can do? Um, are there some, some exercises or things like, I mean, uh, I've always been told that just just a little bit stopping and breathing deep, do some deep breathing helps a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Um, some deep breathing, uh, meditation, uh, you know, yoga has become more popular and popular, um, working alongside with counseling and therapy. Uh, that's another way to bring down, um, that heart rate. But also, you know, kind of taking a look at, at what it is that's causing those uh, signs of anxiety or depression. You know, if you get, if it's money, if it's finances, uh, family figures, you know, really taking a look at, okay, so what is it that I can do that can help me with my problem right now? You know, or, or journaling, you know, kind of sometimes journaling on a daily basis of, you know, issues or um, goals set for that week. You know, even just planning ahead can really turn down that anxiety and depression. Good deal. Well, that's something that's very good advice that a lot of folks uh, could could uh, take up. I mean, it, it's a lot of things that you can do to offset uh, uh, those feelings and to kind of manage them as time goes forward. But you're very very right. I mean, it, it's it's your children at home. They're you're their number one role model, and um, if you're anxious, they're going to be anxious. And it just starts a, a snowball effect in in the household. And uh, before you know it, everybody's yelling and crying and and uh, sometimes gets out of control. Well, let's kind of pivot a little bit to um, uh, male-female relationships. I know okay. You, I know you're probably cringing right now. but uh, I am we're... a little bit. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> we're going to. We're going to take another break here in just a, a minute or two, but um, uh, we're going to we'll get started on this particular subject. Just male female relationships. Uh, what are the the number one issues you see nowadays with male female relationships? <laughs> What's well, not an issue with male and female relationships? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Um, well, I mean, it kind of just depends on on, on what area you're looking at. Um, like I said earlier, miscommunication just between a male and a female is always going to be an issue. I think, um, you know, females says one thing, 
meaning something else, while the male just takes what she says concretely and doesn't actually look deep within what she's saying. But the, there's so many assumptions that are switched between a male and female relationship. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he comes home, walks through the door, and says, uh, Hi, honey, what's for dinner? Uh, she hears... Um, you horrible, lazy person. Why is my dinner not on table? So, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I can imagine. We're going to pick this up a little bit in uh, just a few minutes. We're going to take another break. And, okay, got a minute and 10 seconds. That's, that's a long time in radio time. So, when we come back, we will, we will talk a little more about male-female relationships and uh, kind of what makes them tick. Um, this is, uh, Alan Kerr. I'm in for Dave Ellswick. It's 96.5. The answer Dave is taking a well-deserved, um, vacation for his birthday. We wish him happy birthday. Um, again, we'll be right back after these messages. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Um, I'm on the live line with Alex Kerr. She's a student at SMU and finishing up her master's in psychology. I just want to have a little quick disclosure or disclaimer here. Her opinions are not that of the station or even uh, me, the host, who happens to be her father. But uh, she has (laughs) some interesting insights and uh, uh, lots of experience in in, uh, family counseling. Uh, We're talking on about uh, uh, male-female relationships. This this is a a subject that makes her extremely nervous, but uh, um, Mm -hmm. uh uh-huh. The uh, male-female relationships, where, where did we leave off on that, Alex? Uh, miscommunication and the assumption that when a um, male walks in the door and expects dinner. Oh, I see, yes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, um, communication is, is key to any kind of relationship, especially between a husband and wife. But, um, you know, so many people try to be something they're not let's uh let's talk about that a bit like be something and not well be something that they're not in other words they're trying to morph okay. themselves into something uh that they think the other person is, is expects of them or their idea of a, a perfect spouse or mate and um you're not being yourself in other words um they don't know how they like their eggs yeah exactly and so that's one of the key uh, key factors of why a relationship won't last because eventually you morphing into who you think your partner wants you to be, you run out of steam. Yes, that happens too often. And what happens when you run out of steam? When you're too far into the relationship and that partner is not receptive to, you know, the makings of who you really are, things get dark quite fast. Yeah, they go downhill pretty fast, don't they? Yeah. What can they do about that? Besides go to you and talk about and, and, and you know, do counseling and talk about their feelings? <laughs> well, I mean, just in the early the early stages of dating, you know, being proud of, of who you are and, and being okay with, you know, you, the uniqueness of every individual and that every person that, you know, you, you might come in contact with or date isn't going to be that right person for you but really knowing who you are as an individual is going to help you that much 
further in matching you in a relationship with someone else. Of course. And, but what about, um, what about the situations where they say my spouse makes me a better person? Those any, is that, is that kind of dangerous or, um, Yes, because, you know, while that terminology can is, is used as um, a factor of endearment, um, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where you're expecting your partner, you're putting too much pressure on your partner, right? Because you're expecting this other individual to hold you up while holding themselves up. Right. Well, and, and honestly, in a, in a relationship like that, you, you're really, my opinion, of course, um, you should both give a hundred percent. And, you know, there are, there are times in relationships where you take turns, um, being the strong one, you know, you can't be strong a hundred percent of the time. Um, so you, you, it, it's better to kind of <laughs> switch off kind of like you do as parents, you know, you kind of switch off with the children. So, okay. So I, uh, um, I'm dating and I, uh, um, I'm trying to be myself. What then? Um, as far as the next step, you know, being being able to be yourself is knowing what you like, what you dislike, what are your, um, uh, how you say the, the, the things that you're definitely not going to be okay with. Right. You know, those um, groundbreakers, I guess. Uh, deal breakers. Uh, and not deal breakers. There yeah. You go. Um, and not changing your mind on those. Right. And, you know, people will show you who they are quite early as long as you let them and as long as you pick it up on it. So knowing what you're okay with early on is going to be, you know, something else to really pay attention to. Okay. And just seeing how you morph as a couple. Right. Having all these expectations later on and expecting someone to change so far down in the relationship after you've been together for a while. Why would why would they change then if they were not like that in the beginning? Correct. Well, okay. So, um, tell me what your opinion is. Is there really such a thing as a soulmate? I mean, that, that, (laughs) that terminology is thrown around so much nowadays. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can romanticize the thought, but in my opinion, no. Okay. Um, you know, it's a nice thought, right? There's that one person in the whole world that only that one person is the right person for you. But in, in, in our nature, our, our nature is to, to couple up, right? And spend right. our lives with one person. But to say that there's only one person in the entire world that you could, um, that's meant for you, I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, only given to you meet um, so many people every day and it depends on where you are in your life um personally where you are physically you know what what state or you know area you're in you know people um get attracted to people that are in their um close radius right right what if your soulmate quote unquote is across the world somewhere else How, how are you supposed to match up if that's true i understand well, let's kind of pivot to um, if uh, couples come into you and um, he says or she says that he never listens to me. How do you help people start communicating? 
Oh, goodness. I don't think this program is long enough. <laughs> um, well, see, just in that sentence, you're already putting up blame to someone else. You're already setting yourself up for disappointment, right? Right. Because you're not including yourself in that statement. It takes two people to be a couple. It takes two people to communicate. So while we're at one person may not be listening, one person may not be explaining. You know, it's it just, it's kind of breaking down um, what exactly you are trying to say to your partner and what exactly you expect them to hear from you. And just kind of breaking down the dialect between the two individuals. So it's not, you know, accusatory with everything that you say as you know, he's just not listening to me. Um, you know, that's really like a cry of, I just want him to hear me. I just want him to understand me. And, you know, he might think, okay, what is it that you're trying to, to say or explain or understand? Okay. Well, uh, I mean, so what, what do you suggest for couples to do that, that aren't communicating? Is there, are there exercises? Are there things that they can do as, um, as couples, can they, are there, uh, what do you tell them to go home and do? Is there homework? Um, sometimes it could be, um, in, in some, in the cases of miscommunication, um, along with communication, it's going to be quality time. A lot of times those will go hand in hand. So it kind of goes back to having dinner together. You'd be surprised at how many couples don't actually make time just for those two to have dinner together it's those meal times it's those um those 15 minutes before bedtime those 15 minutes before when you're waking up in the morning before you get the kids going or you get the coffee going it's all those little moments that you actually spend communicating right. simply that we kind of take for granted right because we're so busy like we said earlier with our schedules and plans and meetings that um by just valuing that time that you have with your partner yeah. when you're spending those eight hours a day apart. Okay. Wait a minute. You said something there that, that, that threw up a red flag. I, I've been told to never talk to my daughter or my wife before they've had coffee. <laughs> well, that is very true. <laughs> At least with the daughter. <laughs> I'm not a nice person before my caffeine intake. Oh uh, but... no. <laughs> Um, but it's those few moments where you're still kind of relaxed in that, that sleepy state, um, you know, that sleepy state right before bed, um, and right when you're waking up, um, is really provides those organic moments where you're just still kind of enjoying each other's time. Maybe at the end of the day, um, you're talking about those little bit of, you know, facts that happen during the day that you want to share with your partner. Maybe when you wake up, you're sharing with your partner what your goal for that day is. You know, those kinds of things that will make each other feel like they're part of each other's day throughout the day, even when they're not, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, here we are. We circled back around. Now we're back to sitting at the table at dinner to communicate. Right. With and our it sounds phones like off. such a basic thing. Yeah. Until people don't no longer put it as a priority. Right. Well, I, I think it all boils down to... These are things, along with raising children, that we have to prioritize, wouldn't you say? Exactly. They have to be important to us. They have to be more important than the football game. They have to be more important than um, 
shopping for curtains. They have to be more important than um, those other things in our lives. Um, you know, so many people, unfortunately, uh, couples, they are really into their kids. And it's not a bad thing until it takes the place of um, their their time with each other. Um, my mother always told me that, and when I asked her, why do we always have to eat what, what dad wants? Why do we have to always do these things that, that dad wants to do? And her answer to me was, I expect him to be here long after you're gone, so I have to keep him happy. So, you know, those exactly. are... <laughs> Those are uh, uh, words that have always stuck with me. But, um, but like you said, we're all, we're, we circle back around. We're now sitting back at the, the, the kitchen table um, where a lot of decisions are made, a lot of plans are made. Um, but, you know, people spend more time planning their vacations than they do the rest of their lives. And that's always confused me. Um, and they spend more time planning a vacation than they do uh, conversing with their spouse. So, um, and even when they go on vacation, they're constantly looking at their phones. Um, right. So even when you get on the vacation, you're still not actually present with each other. You're still just posting pictures of it, of you enjoying your time, but not actually enjoying it. That's right. You see pictures of you in Disney World, but, you know, you're not actually enjoying it. Um Yeah. You couldn't tell anybody what ride you rode. You just got a snapshot in front of it. That's right. Well, I mean, um, you know, and, and, and here we are back again at social media. Um, what are the number one reasons that uh, marriages have problems nowadays? I'm sorry? What are the number one reasons that marriages have problems nowadays? What are the catalysts? Oh, goodness. Is social um, media good for a marriage? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. No. Social yeah. media is a big, heavy factor. Yeah. Um, just the, you know, between even just Facebook and Instagram, it's the the getting in contact with the people that are out of your lives, that are somehow mingling back into your lives. And it's the, old you know, high the wandering eyes that, that start to wander through old profiles of other people. And, and you know, it just, it, it, it just brings on a whole other issue on the marriage. Yeah. And you got intruders that you never knew were there that are coming in electronically, old high school friends and things like that who are now divorced, who are looking around and, you know, getting into your Absolutely. lives again. Now, it can't always be mm-hmm. a bad thing. It can be handled, managed, and managed responsibly. Don't get me wrong. But um, I hear just in in my experience uh, as a layman um, that those are the issues that, that cause the most trouble. Um and uh, uh, I'm not allowed to have a Facebook page, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, we have to go make some money again. Hang on, Alex. We'll come back. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick at 96.5 The Answer. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick, um, s- substituting for his uh, day off for his birthday. Talking with Alex Kerr on the live line. She's calling in from SMU um, in uh, Dallas, Texas. And uh, finishing up her her master's in psychology there. We're talking a little bit of psychology this afternoon. Uh, just a little disclaimer. Her opinions have been that of hers and not of the radio station. Um, I uh, like to think of her as the next millennial version of Dr. Phil. 
maybe someday. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we've been talking about the family unit and uh, the effect of social media on on marriages and and the like. And, of course, we circle back to uh, it all boils down to communication, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Communication is key. So if people can't communicate, they got a problem. Do you have yes, uh, do you have people who come to you who have uh, trouble communicating a bit? Yes, um, you know, oftentimes more in, in males than females have a hard time um, expressing how they feel. You know, no, not, not all uh, men <laughs> <laughs> express how they feel through words, which you know women tend to be very quite good at, um, but. Uh, it's kind of just matching, you know, what, what individuals love languages, you know, um, whether that be, you know, spending that quality time, um, words of encouragement, words of affirmation, um, and being able to express that in a way that their partner can respond to. Yeah. Well, you know, men, we all tend to, uh, communicate with grunts to each other, you know, uh, maybe a, a little bit of mind melding, that kind of thing. But, uh, doesn't work with women. We have to actually use our words and have to choose them carefully. Um, but it can be done. It can be done. Um, like you said, we were talking before, uh, some, some couples tend to want to be something or not. Um, they end up in relationships where they're pretending to be something they're not. Um, kind of like you and I described as they don't like, they don't know how they like their eggs, just how the other person does. And that's, that's where they go. Um, and the family unit, the family unit is kind of declining because, um, uh, of communication, um, people pair up. That's what we were bred to do, but, uh, um, sometimes that's difficult for a lot of folks. So, you know, if, uh, if I'm trying to be a good partner, what should I do? What do you look for in a good partner? <laughs> um, I mean, in order to, to be a good partner, like I said before, it's being able to know who you are um, internally, um, being able to be independent and not necessarily relying on your partner to um, for everything, emotionally, physically, spiritually, because um, that's just putting too much pressure on the other person in the relationship. But to be a good partner, um, be present in the moment, um, spend that quality time, make that a priority. Um, and instead of just making assumptions that your partner already knows what you're, you're saying, um, be more expressive in what it is that you are expecting out of your partner. Um, you know, so many women get upset about, uh, their husbands or their boyfriends or, um, whomever or, or partners, um, not understanding or not hearing them or um, feeling misunderstood, but they're not actually saying what they actually want. And I think that's the whole misperception of men need it clear. <laughs> well, we do. Wait a minute. You're, you're telling me that, that uh, I've heard all my life that you're just supposed to know what I need. You're supposed to know what I want. You're supposed to know what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're saying that actually yeah. doesn't work. 
No, no. See, and, and there's, there's improvement on, on both ends. You know, women need to be more clear in what they expect. Otherwise, they're just, again, setting themselves up for disappointment and st- causing more stress on themselves instead of just skipping all of it and telling their partner exactly what it is they want. And that can be built from that initial comfort level by being each other completely in the very beginning. Well, very good. We've got just a little bit of time left before we have to go to the, to the break. We've got one minute. Uh, this has been uh, Alex Kerr, who has graduate, uh, graduate from uh, uh, Hendricks College here in Arkansas, now doing her master's in, uh, at SMU in Texas and uh, psychology. Any last words? Um, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Communication is key. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we appreciate you being on. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick, 96.5 The Answer. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Good afternoon. This is Alan Curry and for Dave Ellswick on this uh, wonderful Friday afternoon. Dave is uh, off uh, this today for a, taking off for his birthday. Wishing Dave a happy birthday. We are here this afternoon to talk sports. I am here with uh, Razorback Zach. He's got a blog on uh, on YouTube. I'm also here with a couple of guys that build themselves as the gridiron experts. Uh, they also have a YouTube blog. And uh, we're going to let these guys kind of talk sports this afternoon and kind of go at it with each other, whether they agree or disagree. I think we're going to start out with doing a post-mortem on the Super Bowl. Guys, what do you think? Great game. Just a uh, brutal loss for me as a New England Patriot fan. Yeah. What do you think, Razorback, Zach? You know, as a Cowboy fan, I I've, I had to pull for the Eagles. It hurt, but yeah. I'm glad to see that the uh, the Patriots lost. Oh, my goodness. Well, golly. So, uh, what do you think? What what was the defining moment? The defining moment was definitely about two minutes left when Brady got, uh, got sacked and fumbled. That pretty much ended the game for him right there. You know, for 18 years, he's been the greatest quarterback in the league, leading so many game-winning drives and it looked like he was poised for another one right there until uh, until he lost the lost the football. I don't think he had been sacked the entire game until that point. So, uh, you know, it, you know, Eagles defense just eventually wore wore that Patriots line down and ended up uh, capturing their first Super Bowl victory. You know, I think one one of the things that that we we noticed was did Brady's age show his mortality as the greatest of all time. Uh, you definitely saw it in the line because the Eagles kept running that ball, running the ball, and just wearing that defense down. Yeah, I mean, he 
His age, though, I still don't think plays much of a factor. He's going to be turning 41 here in August, but he still threw for over 500 yards in a single game. So I think 500 yards and three touchdowns, four touchdowns, somewhere around there. So uh, I still don't think you, know, you can blame the age on that. The de- defense was definitely the problem, and now we solved that problem. Matt Patricia leaving to take the Lions head coaching job. So uh, you can blame it on them a little bit. Offense didn't take uh, advantage of a couple opportunities. We all know the the pass that Brady dropped there that could have turned into a big gain and potentially a score, but I don't think his age had anything to do with it. He he had a heck of a game, and I think he's still the greatest in the league, and he doesn't want to retire yet until he has you know his name at the top of the list in every, uh, every record book, passing yards, passing touchdowns, Super Bowls, uh, and I think he'll be able to capture most of that this upcoming season. Well, th- whatever you think about uh, about that particular quarterback, he he does a good job of uh, showing off uh, – uh, his talent, he does a good job with um, coming back when when people don't expect him uh, to do so. Um, he handles adversity. Um, I, you know, I, I, I love a guy that can do that. But at the same time, I mean, the Eagles were due. You know, one of the things that when you were watching that game was, I think for me the defining moment was when they threw that pass to Brady. Brady missed it, and then I think it was on a two-point conversion that uh, the Eagles were in that very same play and scored a touchdown. Am I right? Uh, yeah, it was either a two-point conversion or a touchdown. Uh, I think it was That's what I right before halftime, which uh, was a key defining moment. I mean, had Brady caught that pass, it would have been a momentum shifter. They would have gotten some points out of that. He wouldn't have scored on that play, but they would have gotten at least a touchdown or a field goal, which could have made a huge difference down the road. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I mean, the run defense wasn't good at all either, and the offensive line didn't protect him enough. I mean, he wouldn't have – many chances to go and we ran the ball too they ran the ball too much i mean we're a pa- they're a passing offense they're a passing team running isn't their strong set obviously and they just weren't ready for the eagles defense at all in that game well that's for sure well they they even said it in the in the pregame that if you get to brady then you can take down the patriots well and they I did think, that well they I, did that over and over again right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were able to pressure him. Like I said, I don't think he was sacked until that final two minutes when he fumbled, and that was really the defining moment in the game. But, but yeah, it was it was enough that he was pressured to make him uncomfortable, make some bad throws. I don't think he threw an interception either. But, you know, Brady does well. He We all know he's, like I said, cracking at 41, so he's not a dual-threat quarterback by any means. So if he has time in the pocket, that's where he's best. If he's pressured just a little bit, it does get a little hard. I mean, if you go back and watch some of the film, he gets the ball out quicker than I think any quarterback in the league. But... If you put enough pressure on him just to make him a little uncomfortable, uh, that's where the age can start to play a factor there for sure. You know, I wanted to ask, you know, Nick Foles got cut from the Eagles in 2014. What would have happened had they not cut him? Would they would the Eagles have gotten there sooner, or would we be still looking at, at an Eagles-Patriots this year? I still think you're looking at a Eagles-Patriots this year. I mean, they Nick Foles, I think back in 2014, um, you know, he was a solid quarterback, but wasn't you know wasn't great. He was not the answer for that Eagles franchise at the time. That's why he was cut. That's why he was traded. But the reason he was brought back this year or last year was because he was familiar with that offense, familiar with that uh, just that kind of setting there. So I still think the Eagles draft Carson Wentz in the draft at, for at number two overall. They traded up to get him. I still think that happens. I think had Carson Wentz been able to play in the Super Bowl, it would have been a lot more ugly than it was this year. But that's a, that's a heck of a storybook ending for Nick Foles. But I still think you're looking at that. I don't think he would have been the long-term starter and had they would have gotten there earlier. I think uh, that took some time. Remember, they still had Chip Kelly at the time, and now he's coaching at UCLA. It obviously didn't work out well 
for him. But uh, a lot of things had to change for that Eagles organization. So I think not, not nothing too major would have changed there. We're going to take it a second here, uh, reintroduce you guys. We've got uh, Zach Kerr of um, Inside the Hog Pen. He's called called Razorback Zach on his blog. We've got uh, another blogger here, uh, Alex Galberth, with his brother Carter. Um, uh, the blog is uh, the Gridiron Expert. You yeah. guys uh, have a regular blog, correct? Yeah, we have a, a YouTube channel, the Gridiron Expert. We're cracking at. We're at 925 subscribers right now, so the goal is definitely to reach a thousand. Uh, but we've done a. I mean, we've put in a lot of work. It's always preseason predictions or analysis. You know, every week during the college football season, which is our main focus. Uh, we break down uh, what's going on on that that particular Saturday in the summer. We give game by game predictions for each Power Five school. Carter here does a great job. He's the uh, cameraman and editor, so he's able to get things working for us, uh, making sure to make everything look good and add some effects in there. Uh, so our goal is to reach a thousand, just to continue to build this up. Uh, but it, we've actually it's, it's taken off. We've been on a couple other uh, YouTube channels that have wanted us on, so it's definitely. Um, definitely getting there so we just hope for more support and if you're listening go ahead and go subscribe to the gridiron expert you know we got our start uh, probably august of last year and it was just me rambling along uh in my one bedroom apartment uh just giving my thoughts on, on the razorback game uh, every saturday and then uh, a buddy of mine came to me and was like well why don't you just make this a regular thing on facebook and uh, that's how inside the hog pin was born and probably about a month later, we were approached by a second Facebook page called SEC Uncensored. Um, and they, nice. they deal with memes and everything else. But uh, they said, you know what? We like your content. We like what you guys bring. You guys work well together. Uh, would you mind doing an all-SEC show? So that's also one of the ones that we do over on their Facebook page. Uh, Inside the Hogpen airs uh, every Wednesday for, at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, that is on Facebook. Just go to your search bar it's, uh, inside the hog pen and uh, you'll find us there. And then uh, in uh, talking SEC, which is our regional one, is uh, seven o'clock over on their Facebook page, SEC Uncensored. Seven o'clock on Wednesday, just after on your Thursdays. On Thursdays. On Thursdays. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of predictions, guys, uh, Super Bowl next year? Go Cowboys. That's. Uh, Hey, I I support the Cowboys. You live in Arkansas, you have to support them a little bit. They've got they've got the talent to get there, no doubt. And I'm a big fan of Jason Garrett down there. I don't think next year is going to be their year. I, I would like it to be. I have a lot of respect for their coaches, their organization, some of their players. Jason Witten, I'd really love to see him get a Super Bowl sometime soon uh, before he has to retire because he's getting on up there. AFC side, I don't know anybody that can challenge the Patriots other than probably the Steelers currently. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens in free agency uh, come March. You know, who switches teams, who gets signed. Uh, I know the Steelers are dealing with some stuff with Le'Veon Bell right now, who's uh, their rock right now. I mean, you've got Ben Roethlisberger, but he's getting uh, older, actually contemplated retirement. So I have them coming out of the AFC, NFC side. I think it's wide open. Eagles are definitely poised to make another run. You've got Carson Wentz. When he's back healthy, he can definitely get them back. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Rams are definitely building something with Sean McVay there, one of the uh, probably greatest uh, young minds in the game right now. I think this was a great start for him, getting that three seed in the NFC, but I think they can definitely push to make the Super Bowl uh, for these next couple of years. Well, I mean, as always, I'm just going to say the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl, whether whether it happens or not, you know. But uh, I've got to agree with you. I You can dream, right? Hey, 22, 22 years, years. 22 years and, and going strong. But uh, I, and I think the Cowboys would have done well had Zeke not got suspended. 
I'm not going to say they'd have made a deep run or even made it to the Super Bowl. I think they'd have built off the last year. But, uh, I mean, they're poised to make a run. I mean, let's, all, let's, let's face it. Tony Romo could get us there. He just couldn't get us over the hump. What do you think, Carter? If we're talking Romo, he probably would have gotten injured first round of the playoffs. He'd have got happened. preseason. We're going to go preseason game. Yeah. Preseason game first. Preseason game. We start him. He's out. So some kind of a pinky injury or you know, pride injury or something. Pride yeah, injury. I will say Tony Romo was the face of the organization, though he did a lot for the Cowboys. I was a huge fan of him, and he made plenty, plenty of mistakes. But I, that overshadowed all the good things that he did. I I personally wish he hadn't gone out the way he did. I wish he'd been able to finish his career. I mean, he might not have ever won a Super Bowl. I think Dak. Being young, being a little bit more of a dual threat, and then adding Zeke uh, is definitely going to be the better option. But uh, Tony Romo did a lot of good things. And, you know, the the one that everybody brings us back as a Cowboy fan, everybody hates hearing it, but that game against Green Bay, oh. you know, the, the infamous Dez catch. That was a catch. Everybody says it was. Nobody knows what the heck a catch is anymore. So Not in the NFL, no. no. Yeah. So had they won that, though, they would have gone back to Seattle. They already beat Seattle uh, at their home turf that same year. You know that was that was probably their best chance for a Super Bowl for, uh, I, I guess, until now or these next few years. Now they've got Dak and Zeke. You know, one of the things too is is uh, the Giants. They're looking. They're they're supposedly looking at other coaches, but they could also be a sleeper here any day in the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, I thought the same thing this year. You know, I thought you know they they made the playoff. Last year, uh, lost at Green Bay, but Eli Manning still a very uh, solid quarterback. Uh, they were building up some wide receivers. You know, you got Odell. I believe they who they get Brandon Marshall. I think yeah. they were able to get him in free agency. The defense looked great just two years ago. So I thought this was the year that they were going to make uh, be more of a sleeper, potentially make another run like they did those two years that they won the Super Bowl. But I think they won what two games, three games this year, and they ended Eli Manning's streak. They did, uh, and that was the dumbest starts. thing that Ben McAdoo could have ever done. But going going back on Eli Manning. If you remember, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl with him doing the, the dance from uh, uh, Dirty Dancing, the very end dance. Is that who that was? That just proves that Tom Brady is 0-3 now when Eli Manning makes the Super Bowl. He oh doesn't goodness. have to play in it. He makes an appearance during makes the Super Bowl. During the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. So that's one way to be in the Super Bowl. I said maybe that's the way to go. If you want to beat Brady, you just got to throw Eli in there. There you go. All right, guys. Well, let's see. Um, we, we've we've talked about that. Let's talk about Razorback football for just a bit. <coughs> we've got <laughs> we've got a new coach. Yay! Do we have enough time? Uh, probably not. So we need to <laughs> condense this. So we got a new uh, we got a new coach. So uh, uh, let's uh, um, let's think about that. We're going to have to go to a break, make a little money here, and uh, when we come back. We're going to talk Razorback football. All right. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick and 96.5 The Answer. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, Dave Ellswick has taken a uh, well-deserved uh, day off for his birthday. And we are here with the uh, the Gridiron Gang. Um, that is uh, Alex and and uh, Carter Galbraith. And uh, we're here with uh, Razorback Zach Um and what is what is the name of your blog again? I actually have two of them. The, the main one for Arkansas is Inside the Hog Pen. The other one is Talking SEC on uh, the SEC Uncensored Facebook page. Good deal. Well, we got the gentleman here this afternoon. We're all we're talking uh, football for right now, and 
we uh, before we went to break, we we started in on uh, what about the new coach for for the Razorbacks and what you think about that. Well, I love it personally, Chad Morris. Uh, and I'll be honest, when we uh, were going through the entire coaching search process, his name kept coming up, uh, and I really was against hiring him. You know, I looked at his track record record at SMU and. Uh, that was something that I think a lot of people did and were hesitant on getting it. He was 2-10 his first year, 5-7 and seven the second year, and finally got him back to a bowl game. But you really can't look at that. You should look more at his work. I mean, taking SMU back to a bowl game was huge in itself. But uh, what he did with work at offensive coordinator at Clemson, that's what we really need to focus on. Uh, he's pretty much the reason Clemson's a national power right now, getting that offense turned around. Uh, his emphasis on recruiting uh, is huge. That's something that Brett Bielema did not do a good job of. And Chad Morris... Uh, to win in the SEC, you have to recruit in Texas. Brett Bielema burned bridges in Texas with a lot of high school coaches uh, early on in his tenure at Arkansas and pretty much ruined any chances there because, you know, you the high school players, they, they choose where they want to go, but they're influenced by the facilities, the coaches, their parents, and their high school coaches as well. When you've got an Arkansas coach that's bad-mouthing your state uh, and your high school, uh, that's not going to bode well for them. So Chad Morris knows how to recruit in Texas, knows how to build a border around the state of Arkansas, keep those recruits inside, not letting them go to uh, other opponents. And uh, I think he's going to be great for us. I mean, he's, he might not be great off the bat, but if he can stick around for a couple of years, I think he's going to end up uh, being a great coach for us. You know, one of the the very first video that they released of his uh, team meeting, when he, yeah. I mean, didn't even say hey guys or anything. He walked in and he said, "All right, guys, sit straight up, put your drinks down, put your feet on the floor." I fell in love with him right there. Yeah. That gave me confidence. Nice. That, yes. In his press conference, full tilt boogie, put it in the left lane, put the hammer down. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm pumped. Uh, I was a little nervous at first because I didn't know if we, who we were going to get. I, Gus Malzahn's name was being thrown out there, and it was it was one no. of those. I was like, he can't get over the hump at Auburn. It was one of those. Yeah, it was one of those things where I I was 99% sure he was coming to Arkansas. They were – so many signs point to him. There was always that, that speculation that if he were to lose in the SEC championship that he was going to come to Arkansas, and they did lose, and they got blown out 28-7. to So every, every sign was pointing that he was coming. Because if you go and look, if you listen to Auburn fans, anytime he screws up, even if he loses you know, a game that maybe they shouldn't lose or you know, get blown out or something, they want his head. You know, they, they, well, I, I, think the, I think his wife in the moving van knew he was coming to Arkansas. They, they, yeah. I think they already had the truck packed up. Yeah, they were they – were, yeah, it was – Pretty much a done deal. So I was very shocked that he stayed. And I think we offered him what forty nine million fifty. No, we offered him fifty million. Offered uh, Auburn offered him forty nine million. So I don't know why he chose to stay because if he came to Arkansas, uh, you know everybody would have loved him. We wouldn't have you know called for his head immediately. After. I know we had bad blood, uh, had a bad ending with uh, the Houston Nut era around oh six oh seven, but. I think he would have had some great success here and been able to turn the program around. Now I think Chad Morris can do the same thing, but. Uh, I was really hoping for Gus at first. Carter, now, just before you started, I'd have done it for $20 million, okay? <laughs> I'd, I'd have given you a, a, a bargain. But what do you think? I mean, like Alex said, I'm, I was hoping for Gus Malzahn. I mean, the, the way that Auburn fans, I, mean, I figured that the way that they treat him, like when he messes up, they always go straight to him. I figured that he'd want some uh, go to a place where they would not have super high expectations at first right when he gets here. Because, I mean, let's face it, we don't have high expectations here. We, we don't? No. No. <laughs> well, as a fan base, and that that's the biggest problem with us right now, as a fan base, we want we want wins, we want them right now. We want a national championship tomorrow. 
And that goes for basketball, that goes for football, and it even goes for baseball. We haven't had it in so long, but we want it. We want it right now. It's that instant gratification. And if we get it immediately, you, then you're going to be left with, well, okay, so now what? You got it, now what? I think, honestly, we came out better into the deal with that Auburn thing. I'm glad he. I'm honestly glad he stayed at Auburn and we got Coach Morris. Me too. And I'm excited for Morris. I, I have faith in him. He's excited. He's he's more enthusiastic than Bielma. I mean, I've I was just watching like videos of him at practice. He's he's getting down there. He's getting he yells. He's getting excited. He's doing. He's practically doing the drills with him. He's out there. He's hyper, and he's ready to go. But Bielma, he was never he was never the enthusiastic type of coach. The university releases, I don't know if you've guys seen it, I'm pretty sure you have, uh, they release kind of snippets of spring practice yeah. in, the, in, yeah. the, in Walker Pavilion. And they released one a few weeks ago, and they had every, he had every all the teams surrounding him, and he says, if you bring the want to, I'll bring you the how to. And I loved it. Bielema just looked lost on the sidelines. He Always. just, I mean, there were so many calls that he just kind of stood there and was like, hmm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. He didn't get in these guys' faces. He didn't grab a face mask, you know. And I think, and you watch these guys now. These this new coaching staff, they're getting after it. I like the speed. I like the intensity. Now I haven't seen it before. Well, that's how it needs to be. That's how football needs to be played. Got one minute, guys. Bielema always had that, you know, deer in the headlights look every time he was in the playing a game or even in practice. Chad Morris is going to come in, be more of a disciplinarian, do things he wants to do, and there's going to be no exceptions. Bielema was a little more lenient, like, eh, yeah, I'll let you. Uh, kind of do what you want to do all right guys we are here with the gridiron gang and razorback zach we are going to go to commercial make some money now um i am alan kerr in for dave elswick 96.5 the answer good afternoon this is alan kerr standing in for dave elswick who has uh taken the day off for his birthday we're here with uh, the gridiron gang and uh inside the hog pen talking a little bit of sports now before we went to break we uh, we were talking about uh, um, the new coach for the Razorbacks and uh, kind of finishing up on that, guys. Where were we? Yeah, I think we were just talking about how uh, we think he's going to be fairly successful. We touched up on Gus Malzahn a little bit, um, but I'm excited about it. I was talking about the energy that Coach Morris is going to bring compared to what Brett Bielema brought, uh, brought. and I feel like this is going to be Hopefully it's going to end a lot better. A little bit more like the uh, Bobby Petrino era. He's going to bring a much faster, better style of offense. Uh, the defense is going to get a little more physical. I'm really excited about uh, John Chavis coming in as defensive coordinator. I know he didn't have the the best run at Texas A&M, but I think he th- that name alone is going to help us get defensive recruits uh, and help us out a little bit on that side of the ball. So I think uh, give him a couple of years, I think we're going to end up having some pretty good success, and we're you know hopefully we can start. Uh, competing in this SEC West, which I know is going to be really hard until probably Nick Saban retires. Well, I mean, one of the things, too, is the guy was on the job maybe a week before early signing period. Right. Yeah. You know, and he's only been on the, on the job total, a grand total of, what, 60 days? And right. uh, all of the other SEC teams are ranked in the top 50 except for Arkansas. But if you don't, if you look at it, he got what he needed for the upcoming season. You know, wait until he see, he has that full year to kind of recruit and get his staff together. Absolutely. You know, you're going out there, you're getting um, that big de- uh, defensive guy. Yeah, just, Dorian Gerald, the number Dorian one Gerald. Duco defensive end, yeah. Um, you're getting uh, uh, John Stephen Jones. Yep. You know, grandson of, of Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. That was a big one. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same time, that's also leading to people asking, okay, so is he the presumptive starting quarterback going into spring practice over Cole Kelly? I wouldn't no. think so. I wouldn't think so. We've got a... Uh, 
I mean, we've got a lot of people. It's going to really come down to what kind of style of play uh, Chad Morris wants to run. I mean, Cole Kelly, uh, everybody t- originally when he got the job said we need a dual-threat quarterback, which isn't the case. If you go back and look at some of the SMU quarterback stats from when he was coached there, uh, they, he really didn't have to rely on a dual-threat quarterback. Cole Kelly, I like him. He's got a heck of an arm, but I think he's going to have to be competing against some of the guys. Uh, Connor Nolan we just signed. you got Jones there. Uh, we got Ty Story. So we've got a lot of people that – I think are going to be uh, competing for that starting job. And I don't think, you know, Cole Kelly had a lot of SEC experience last year. So I think he might go into this thinking he's the presumptive starter. But uh, I think he's going to have definitely have to work for that job. And the spring game is going to be uh, really big to determine who that starter is going to be. Hey, guys, you just talked about a lot of quarterbacks out there on the team. Who is the first one to walk away from the University of Arkansas? That is a Ooh, very good question. Good question. Um, Great well, question. You know, we had a we had a good good group of quarterbacks here last few years ago. You got hey, you had Rave Peavy, you had uh, uh, Cole Kelly, you had Austin Allen, Brandon Allen. Um, who was that other one? That that third one. I know there was a there was a, a, a third tier one that, that left too. We had uh, we had Brandon Mitchell there for Brandon a while. Mitchell. That yeah. was the one. And and if I was Cole Kelly, I didn't I I would fight for that starting job, but. It may end up being Jerry Jones's grandson. It might be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I would rather it not be personally. I, I'd rather, you know, if you're going to give it to somebody, I would I would hope he'd give it to a Ty Story or a Cole Kelly just because of the experience. Now I know these new guys forgot about him. In. Now I know these guys coming in are going to be freshmen. They, you know, freshman cores are going to have the entire uh, spring and the entire uh, fall practices to get ready for this, get ready for the season. Uh, but I'm hoping he's going to give it to somebody that has a little bit more experience, a little bit more game experience, and knows the offense a little bit better than these new guys that we just recruited. Okay, well, let's uh, let's kind of pivot and talk a little bit about basketball for a while. Before we do, I want yeah. to plug the uh, spring game. If 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 you haven't heard yet, is April seventh yeah. at War Memorial Stadium here in Little Rock. Right. Okay. And is that going to be the one and only game at War Memorial? We'll save that conversation for another time. Okay, okay. So, pivoting into basketball, uh, we got uh, March Madness coming up. Where do we think we stand? In. I think we're in uh, as of right now. Sitting at 18-8, and eight, above 500, just got above 500 in the SEC. And I was looking at the uh, schedule for this Saturday's slate of SEC games, and if we can take care of business against Texas A&M, and uh, everybody else loses as supposed to. I know Alabama's ahead of us. They're playing at Kentucky. So if everything falls the way it does, when Saturday night is over, we could potentially be number three in the SEC, which is going to be huge for us. We'd like to get uh, in the top four to get that double bye going into the SEC tournament. A lot of the uh, experts out there, the bracketology people, don't uh, have us as a solid in yet. But keep in mind, we still have home games against A&M, Kentucky, and Auburn. And Bud Walton Arena is one of the toughest places to play, I think, uh, in the entire country so if we can go in there get and hopefully two if if not all three of those wins uh crack 20 to 21 wins win a game in the in the sec tournament i think we're definite in and looking anywhere between the eight and a ten seed wait 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 you, you you had a word there i'm what familiar with bracketology bracketology yeah <laughs> okay study of march madness study of the ncaa tournament brackets there you go i wish okay. that was a college major sometimes <laughs> But uh, yeah, we we actually touched on this on Inside the Hog Pen, and uh, I want to give a shout out to my uh, my co-host. Uh, he wasn't able to make it today. Hogman Hopkins. Hogman is a uh, uh, very big he's he's hog fan, but he's a Florida fan, so we, we kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. But ah. uh, he brought up the, the the point 
you know, even going into the SEC tournament, the the SEC is wide open with the exception of maybe one or two teams. Uh, Joe Lenardi out of ESPN's got us ranked right now as an 11 seed. Um, but he said, you know, if we went out and go 5-0 and these next two games, make a deep run in the SEC tournament, and even make it to the finals or even win it, it could, we could be as high as a four seed. Yeah, it's just because of the strength of the SEC right now. Our next slate of games, our next five, six games, are not easy by any means. Like I said, got A&M, Kentucky, Alabama on the road, who's ahead of us in the standings, Auburn, who's in the top ten nationally, uh, top of the SEC, should finish uh, as the number one seed going to the SEC tournament, and then Missouri, who's uh, made huge strides under Quanzo Martin. So, you know, like you say, I don't think we're going to go 5-0. Realistically, I don't think that's a possibility. Our road struggles uh, have been horrible this year, winning only against Georgia and Ole Miss, and you're going up against Alabama and Missouri uh, in some of those two final games. Our last Two of our last three games are against Alabama and Missouri on the road, so I do not think we'll go undefeated in those games. But, you know, maybe you win one of them. Uh, yeah, you definitely have the potential to finish at a four seed, maybe a five seed, somewhere around there, if you can win the majority of these games. Hogman and I've got us going three and two in the final five games, uh, but you know, Kentucky this year—I mean, that's been the big name the last couple of years. You know, got John Calipari, you've got uh, Malik Monk, um, who's the other one from North Little Rock. You know, this year though, they've they've kind of you know fell off a little bit. That's that's what causes the SEC to be wide open this year, even five, five weeks outside of the SEC tournament. We don't know who's actually going to win it. It's anybody's ball game right now. It is. And on Kentucky's point right there, uh, that is the result of uh, the one-year rule with college basketball where you can bring in a freshman uh, and he can leave immediately after one year for the NBA. And that's, and it's finally caught up to Kentucky. For years they did that. You bring in a guy for one year, and then you know they win a national championship, make a Final Four run, something like that, and they head off to the NBA uh, and that's the problem uh, with college basketball right now. In college football players are required to stay at least two years before they can declare for the NFL draft. I think that needs to be the case for college basketball because these freshmen are coming in from high school, playing one year, going to a Kentucky, a Duke, North Carolina, a team that has a great track record and almost guaranteed uh, to have a run with great coaches, a run to the Final Four, or at least guaranteed to make the NCAA tournament. And then they head off to the NBA where I've even read that the NBA coaches and players don't like that at all because they have no sense of teamwork. These guys are coming in as some of the top players in the nation. It's all about them. They're going to come in, put up great stats, win an award, win a national championship, get picked in the lottery of the NBA draft. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad it's finally caught up with Kentucky, and that's how it's going to work uh, for a long time until something's changed in college basketball. What do you think, Carter? I mean, like Alex said, I mean, that's one of the reasons a lot of these teams, I mean, the Dukes, Kentuckys, those kind of teams, that's the reason that they – like, I mean, Duke's doing fine, but Kentucky, when they fall like that, it's, it's due to these guys coming in as freshmen and going into the NBA draft, and that's one of the problems is that you, I mean, I agree with Alex all the way on that. You need to be at least stay two years because that's, I mean, it's just, it needs to happen. You can't just, I don't think you should just be able to go in and play one year because you go in and it's all about you, like Alex said, and I mean, it's just all about them, and they don't get those lessons that you, they should learn about teamwork and how you need to play as a team. You know, and there's there's very few players over the course of the last 20 years that could come right out of high school and go straight to the NBA. You're LeBron James, you're Kobe Bryant's. You know, you're you're talking of the two greats, one of the the, the few greats of at least this generation. You know, and, and and because of them, they're wanting. That's why the NBA made that or the uh, NCAA made that rule of having just you go in and the one and dones. Arkansas's problem is they're not playing with consistency. They're not playing with any consistency at all. You're you're depending too much on Daryl Macon, uh Jalen Barford, 
You know, one of those have a cold night. The other, one of the other guards has got to step up. You know, and one of the biggest problems, and I don't, I know you've seen it, was we can't. Every time we get the ball to Gafford down low in the post, what happens? You get two points. You get a slam dunk. You know, we we don't feed it to him enough, and we don't. And that is Arkansas's problem. Yeah, I mean, look, teams are going to be able to collapse on Gafford eventually. I know they're projecting him to be a potential. NBA first rounder, but you're right. Why don't we feed it? I mean, Gaffer, I think was well, he's close to seven feet, six ten, somewhere around there. Yeah, six ten. He, he's about six ten, so he's getting close to seven feet. I mean, you you feed it to him down low, uh, and then get a quick outlet pass to one of your to one of your guards. You got you know Macon, Barford, Anton Beard, who's been one of the most inconsistent players I've ever seen in my life. Um, but you you can get a quick outlet pass to him, or you you get the quick two points with Gaffer. They are very inconsistent. I remember I was watching the Georgia game just a few weeks ago. Luckily, we were able to win that one in double overtime. But we had no inside game whatsoever. We no. we hung out around the perimeter way too much, and that's like you said, we rely on our guards to bail us out with three pointers or long two points. We've got to get better uh, a better inside game, and I'm very uh, glad we were able to escape Ole Miss on Tuesday night with the win. Uh, we it, people said it was an ugly win, and considering that Ole Miss went scoreless, missed 22 shots in a row, something like that, we could have blown them out much more than I think the 14 point victory. But um, I think still think that was a solid win. Looked balanced to me. Looked like we were able to get a good mixture in there. And I know Ole Miss wasn't the greatest team in the world, but the, the pieces are there for us to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament if we can just finish strong these next couple of games. Okay, guys. We're going to have to stop here and uh, put a pause on it before we can go uh, go to go to commercial break. Uh, we get back, we'll continue the basketball and uh, uh, maybe even have some Olympic predictions. What do you think? Okay. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. 96.5 the answer good afternoon this is alan kerr in for dave ellswick um dave has taken a uh, well-deserved uh, vacation day we're here with um uh, some gentlemen that uh, have a couple of blogs that uh, uh that they do about sports i got razorback zach who is inside the hog pen and then we have the gridiron experts uh, alex galbraith and uh, carter galbraith did i say that name right this time yes you did alex. thank you <laughs> We're talking basketball and uh, um, March Madness and and uh, our predictions thereof. What do you think, guys? Yeah, we touched a little bit on Arkansas just before we went to break, uh, what we thought their chances were going and uh, potentially making the NCAA tournament, which would be uh, back-to-back years for Mike Anderson uh, and the team. And, and I think that the chances there are very solid if they get the job done. They've got, like I said, they got three huge home games coming up against A&M, Kentucky and Auburn all would be huge wins uh, RPI-wise, uh, strengthen up the resume. And like I said, at, at the end of this Saturday, if everything falls the way it should, we could be number three in the SEC uh, by the end of Saturday night. So I think it's going to be very difficult. You know, if we win 20 to 21 games, I think it's going to be very difficult for the committee to leave us out, especially with the, the strength of schedule that we have. Because if you keep in mind, some of those non-conference games were not against uh, very solid teams, but they were solid teams in their respective conferences. Um, and we ended up beating them uh, fairly handily. So I think I think our chance is looking very very good right now compared to what it was looking like uh, just a few weeks ago when we were fifteen and eight. Uh, we've won three straight, which is huge for us. You know, we went into uh, Portland and uh, we got we got manhandled by North Carolina for the second straight time. And they, I don't understand how they we they just they fall flat against North Carolina, and then you get you get you know. Beaten like a redheaded stepchild against Houston, and then you get into SEC play, and you're you're sitting there wondering, okay, 
are we going to have consistency? Are we going to be, you know, are, are we going to have the speed? I, I have to agree with you. If if Saturday night we should be sitting at a number three seed. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It should it should happen. And and like you said, we got manhandled against North Carolina, which isn't a bad loss. This has actually been by their standards a down year. I think they've already lost seven or eight games, mostly against quality opponents, but. Uh, I will say we should have won that NCAA tournament game last year. Uh, some very, very questionable calls down the stretch in that game, but uh, hopefully we won't have to face them again if we make it this year. The Houston game was uh, very ridiculous. It was on the road, which is something that we struggled uh, with Mike Anderson over his seven years here. But keep in mind, Houston just defeated number 5 Cincinnati last night, uh, and they're projected to make the NCAA tournament as well. So that loss isn't looking as bad, especially since it was on the road at Houston. And we... Like you said, we went to Portland. We took care of business against uh, Oklahoma. Trey Young, I know they've been slipping a little bit as late. I think they've lost six of their last eight. And then UConn, not a great team, but a very uh, well-known team, and we manhandled them, uh, scored over 100 points on them. So, like I said, non-conference schedule, very good. Uh, We built up that resume. And then the SEC play, the consistency you're asking about, I got really nervous there when we started off one and three in conference play. Very nervous. Uh, Like I said, it's the first time we've cracked uh, above 500 all year, seven and six right now. Last year we went 23 and eight and 12 and six in conference, and uh, that, there's a very strong chance that we could do that again. And while we're talking about being consistent, we we talked about this a little bit before we went to break, and talking about how we we always when we give it to Gafford, it's like Zach said, it's always an easy two point slam dunk, whatever, and we never do that because we're always relying on the Makins, the Gaffords, the Beards. And we always shoot too much. And one of the things that our team cannot do for the for the next five games is rely on shooting the entire game. We need to we need to not be we need to be consistent. But if we're shooting dead for the first two minutes of the game, we need to know that's not what we need to do for the game. Because Gafford again, he's he scores almost every time we give the ball to him. We can't shoot every shot thinking it's going to be an easy three and make it. We gotta. We have to mix it up a little bit and not be so predictable because you shoot the ball every time you get the ball to one of those guys, it's and he and they're cold or they're not making it at all. Then we, we're gonna get into a hole too deep that we can't get out of. I want to get your thought, Carter. The FBI just came out on that investigation into the college basketball world, and they're saying that thirty plus teams are gonna start hitting the deck. Who do you think? I mean, what do you think about that? Um. Alex, you go ahead and do that one. <laughs> a little unsure on that. Uh, were, you, were you asking like which team you think is going to hit the deck well, first? I mean, or you've got the FBI looking into these into these teams of, of you know Scandinavian. Okay, hey guys, we got uh, got about one minute. How about we uh, we jump in and you uh, you guys tell us about your blogs and where to find them? Okay, right, yeah, Gridiron Expert. If you search that on YouTube, we've got 925 subscribers. Uh, main focus is college football predictions, analysis. Uh, even though it's the off season right now, we're going to have things going all the way up until June when we start breaking down each Power 5 team and their schedule and giving predictions for them. So search us on YouTube at The Gridiron Expert. Both of my blogs are live on Facebook, Inside the Hog Pen, and talk, Talking SEC at SEC Uncensored. Good deal. Guys, thank you for coming in this afternoon. It's been a great conversation. 
We are, uh, this is Alan Kerr. We're in for Dave Ellswick on 96.5 The Answer. We'll be right back after a break. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefit you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at juristlawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick taking a well-deserved vacation. Um, I am here with uh, a beautiful young lady by the name of Tara Johnson who is an accomplished writer, uh, musician, and storyteller, and uh, an inspirational speaker. So, uh, and what her, her forte is historical author. Uh, she especially likes the, uh, the Civil War period. She has a, a book that she's written uh, called Engraved on the Heart. And I, I can't tell you what a cool name that is, what a romantic name that is. Thank and, you. uh, I, I just, when I saw that, I said, oh man, there's another name for my next book. I can't use. <laughs> I'll loan yeah. it to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I want to write a book. Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but, um, she is here. She's got a, uh, a website, uh, Tara Johnson stories.com. I encourage everyone to go to that. It's the first time I've ever seen a trailer for a book. That's pretty neat. Oh yeah. Now, I thought maybe this has been made into a in, into a, a a film or something. Which not yet. It might be. Who, who knows? Who yeah. knows? But it's, it, the the trailer is beautifully done, and um, uh, I was real impressed by that. And you're you're a busy young lady. So tell us about you and and how you got here. Well, thank you so much. First of all, I, I mean, for having not me. by car. I mean, how I you got to this car. point in your life? You know, my arms are very tired. <laughs> Um, it's, it's been quite a journey. I actually, I graduated from UALR, you know, it's right down the road Nice. and, um, yeah, I'm an Arkansas girl and, um, graduated with a music degree actually in voice. And how much money does that make you? Uh, not much, (laughs) which my husband, your father would have been so proud. (laughs) My husband tells me, he said, honey, you're good at lots of things. Unfortunately, none of them make money. So, you know, arts, arts, artsy people, that's our, that's our, yeah. Our, our problem but um so um i i signed with a a a, a record label though um, not too long after that so i was did you yes i was 10 years with incubator creative group it's a christian record label based yeah. out of um, santa clara oregon and things were going really well with that um i was going around to lots of churches and ladies groups speaking and singing and and i still love to speak that's that's just one of my passions but um the singing became a began to be a big problem. Um, I developed uh, gastroparesis. I don't know if you know anything. Uh, about I know it. nothing about yeah, that. That's one of those medical words and, that people go. And huh? Due to HIPAA violation, I'm not going to ask you to explain. <laughs> 
that's okay. I'll, I'll give you the short version. Okay. But basically, my stomach doesn't pump. Ah. And so that affects um, so many things in my Your body. Diaphragm. But diaphragm, vocal cords, yeah. I get spasm. Like you'd have a back spasm. Uh-huh. I get those in, in my voice. And so, um, yeah, so I can sing one or two, maybe three songs, and then my voice starts going. So um, I began losing my ability to sing these long concerts, and I thought, ah, this is not good. What am I going to do? So um, through this this ministry that I had spent 10 years building, I began to write more and more and depend more and more on writing, and I found out that I loved it so much. And uh, I began to... um, Interesting how God moves you in different directions, isn't it? (laughs) He does. Yes. Well, you're not going to quit singing, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix that. He does. (laughs) He he he's so good, and and I always love stories. Stories are one of my passions. In fact, when my mom and dad would play um, a movie for us when we were younger, my brother and I, if I didn't like the story, I would just close my eyes and rewrite it in my mind. I would be like, no, this story's terrible. It needs to do this and this and this. And so I I go to a lot of movies. I need to take you to. Anyway, we can just make up our own movie yeah. um, <laughs> when it, they take a bad detour. Uh, yeah. So I began getting ideas for these fiction stories. And um, during this time, a friend of mine told me about ACFW. It's the um, American Christian Fiction Writers. And uh, they have a big conference that meets um, once a year in a different spot um, in the U.S. And so I went and in one of the very first sessions, I sat down. And heard the teacher telling us about a writer's voice, teaching us about writer's voice. It's a unique way that every writer uh, communicates. And Mm -hmm. it hit me there that I can have a voice and still not have a voice. And God just kind of gently led me into this new path. And I absolutely adore everything about um, this new journey. It's been so much fun. Cool. So I spent years learning the craft and and developing it. And um, then this past year, I signed a three-book contract with Tyndale Publishers. Three-book so, contract. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's been a really neat, really neat journey. That's really cool. So at what point, how long ago did you lose, uh, did you feel like you lost the ability to sing? It's been coming on gradually. Um, about two years ago, I really noticed a, a hard difference. Yeah. And uh, I have to just be very careful with my voice. I can speak all day long. Unfortunately, my husband and children will tell you that that has not <laughs> um, dissipated at all. But um, You but said you singing, homeschooled your middle child? Yes, I, I homeschooled both of, of my daughters. Um, my oldest daughter just started high school at Arkansas Christian Academy, but I still homeschool my middle child. So yeah. she puts up with me daily. And um, yeah, that. The speaking I can do, but singing is very strenuous on, on my voice. So, yeah. Well. It took a toll. Well, but but it, it took a turn for the better. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, uh, you know, writing is probably something that's that's got a little more longevity than singing. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can do it, oh, you know, for sure. in your bathrobe. So, yeah. you know. It, <laughs> <laughs> you can do it in your pajamas and you can homeschool in your pajamas. People don't judge you. Well, so. that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, so you, you said you, you in your head you kind of made up ending to the stories. I, like I said, I've been to a lot of movies where you go, what? Yeah. That shouldn't have happened. I that, know. That, or uh, that's, you know, that you know, disappointing endings, I you know. know. So, yeah. Not all stories are created equal, unfortunately. That's, that's true. That's true. So um, you you do inspirational historic writing, and you focus on the um, – um, the Civil War period. Why the Civil War? I've always been fascinated with the Civil War. Um, I, it began, um, 
it's probably not the most um, spiritual of reasons. My mom got me hooked on Gone with the Wind when I was little. That was our yearly That's thing. That's the best thing I was, can think of. <laughs> we, uh, my name is uh, is Tara, and I always thought I was named after Tara from Gone with the Wind. Uh-huh. It was not. It was named. Um, sorry, mom, but I'm going to tell your your dirt. I was named after a soap opera character that she used to like way back before she got close with jesus so um that's about the same thing yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) that's close enough i I think i'd stick with gone with the wind so i'm telling you but so i i became fascinated with that period um then but um as i've gotten older and really gotten into history i've just been fascinated with um all of the um inventions that came about through the civil war um the, the the technological advances that were made the stories of these heroes and and heroines things that happened um that a lot of people know about and so many things that that's very obscure things right. that i'm discovering it's it's very very fascinating it changed the entire landscape of our nation well, so. give me an example of uh inventions or technology that came about in the civil war uh, okay well other um, than you know sawing somebody's leg off yeah that's not the prettier part of the war for <laughs> no. sure uh, well like the the ambulance uh the a- a- um ambulance runners uh developed during the civil war because right. these these men were laying out in the field for days dying yeah. you know because they couldn't get help so and i can't remember the name of the gentleman now who who organized that but um he started the ambulance system that we use today going to get people really on car- yes and moving it along um you had i believe the sewing machine if i am not mistaken um they would call field, was- field dressing feel <laughs> no okay sorry <laughs> well, <laughs> well and just to just so many interesting people like um general benjamin butler he fought for the union um he was not a very good looking gentleman he was very large it was hard to be in the civil war. <laughs> it was a hard he was very cross-eyed in fact i think uh, there's a story about abraham lincoln kind of making fun of him even uh-huh. his own general um some one of his cabinet members were fussing about something that general butler had done or said and president uh, lincoln said well no don't be too hard on him he doesn't see things the way we do you know because he was cross-eyed so um and they oh all thought gosh. that was hysterical but um <laughs> but benjamin butler was hated I think all throughout the South, even more than than President Lincoln was. And so um, these ladies, um, uh, they painted his picture on the bottom of their chamber pots and used them. I mean, these crazy things you learn about the Civil War is fascinating. So um, the more I've learned, the more interesting it is. What a way to potty train your children. I know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah, it's quite interesting the things that came out of the Civil War. So inventions, uh, the the sewing machine, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first first, uh, submarine, I think, um, successful use of a a submarine. You know what? I remember that. I remember that from some other movie I saw. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to put a pause in it right there. We're going to have to take a break real quick. And uh, this is Alan Kerr, 96.5 The Answer, filling in for Dave Ellswick. We'll be right back. Fry it up in a pan. But why should I bother girls? Cause Domino's can. Cause I'm a woman. W-O-M-E-N. Yes, I'm a woman. 
afternoon. It's Alan Curry in for Dave Ellswick, and you just heard a cut from uh, Tara Johnson's CD. Uh, playing that for all of you women out there this afternoon, uh, for all you strong women. Uh, she is a historical author, inspirational speaker, a musician, singer, and uh, uh, a book writer. She's got uh, got a new three-book deal with um, what uh, publishing Tin- company? Tyndale House. Publishers. Tyndale House. Yes, yeah, she does uh, uh, inspirational books and uh uh she's just a delight to talk to and uh, but that was a song from uh from one of her cds she doesn't get to sing much anymore because um uh of a medical condition but uh she has shifted all of that energy and all of that passion into writing and um has done an awesome job of it she's got a new book engraved on the heart i can't think of a more romantic title um and i told her i was jealous of green with envy because she got to use that that title and i can't now so uh um we uh when we left off we were talking about inventions that came about from the civil war which is, happens to be her favorite period to write about uh it was a it was a very difficult time but but it had a lot of romance in it mm-hmm. a lot of uh struggles and adversity and and uh, um, uh, success on ad- adversity that people overcame. So um, it's it's a good time to, to to write about and to talk about these these relationships that that um, fictional or otherwise. I'm sure some of them, you know, yeah. had to be some of them in there that were yeah. some type of reality. But <laughs> but um, but talk about um, talk about your book and and how you happen to come about that particular story. Well, uh, the the inspiration for Engraved on the Heart, um, again, I just I love the time period, but usually I I get an idea for a character first. Uh, this this time, my family and I were visiting Savannah, Georgia, and I'd never Perfect been there. Perfect place to talk uh, about Civil War. I'm telling you, I fell in love with Savannah. It's gorgeous. If you have not been there, you, you must go visit. It's beautiful. My have wife loves the ghost tours. Oh, the ghost <laughs> I have a friend my, that's crazy. My wife about the and daughter tours. are into ghosts for some reason, and every Saturday morning they watch these these ghost programs. And uh, anyway, I don't want to well, think about Savannah's it. Savannah's the know. place to go. Savannah's the place to go. Well, yeah. So my my family went there. Um, all of us, all the the kids and parents and grandkids and everything, and uh, I fell in love with the town and um, went on a historical tour of the city. And you know, right. history just pops out everywhere. Yeah. There and. Um, began to get some ideas. Uh, it was really neat. At one one place in particular, the tour guide told us, now, make sure and pay attention to the original brick because every now and then you'll see um, a slave's fingerprint in, in the brick if you're looking. It's something you'll miss. Because that's that's who we're making, making the bricks. Making them, yeah. yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> and I, I found one when we were out and about. Really? And I just, I remember touching it and just feeling like that is so wild that, our our lives that slave's life and mine can just be connected just right. by touching you know wasn't all that long ago and so um that just kind of brought that that era to life for me so and um i took where we were went by the um i believe it's the first african baptist church i believe is the name of it mm-hmm. i need to double check that but they had the original um holes in the floor where they uh that was used in the underground railroad where they used to hide slaves so right. uh, these stories came about so um just came to life so i began to research especially about women in the civil war spies um who women were spies women were spies well nobody would war. ever suspect them they make good spies 
So I, I kind of took several women's stories and combined it into one. Yeah. And um, her name is Keziah Montgomery. Keziah. Keziah, which is actually mm-hmm. a biblical name. Is it really? It is. Out I, of which I have never heard. I've heard it. I, I, Jedediah. Je, yeah. But Keziah? Keziah. Okay. I did not know that it was a biblical name yeah. until my editor pointed it out. She said, you know, that's a biblical name. I said, uh, no, I wish I could say I did. But it was the name of one of Job's daughters. Really? In the book of Job, when he comes through his trial and he's blessed, it names, I think, three of his daughters. And you one of you don't call that the book of Job? No. <laughs> okay. I'm sure it felt like a job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when he was through... <laughs> But so anyways, uh, I grew up with a seizure disorder. Um, that was something that I battled early wow. on. And so they always say, right, what well, you you've know. Had a, you've had a lot to overcome. I've had a lot going on oh, in my, my life. Goodness. And so I thought, right, well, you know. So I wrote, Keziah, she had a seizure disorder. And back then, um, epilepsy, it, it was pushed under the rug. Nobody wanted to talk about it. If yeah. you had it, you're often sent to an asylum. Yeah. So I thought, how fascinating would it be to have... A, a lady that gets involved with the Underground Railroad who has epilepsy, and she's ashamed to her family. Um, so that's kind of where the idea for the story came about. Wow. Through the whole book, she's dealing with this lie that I have no worth because I'm broken, which you and I were talking right. break. The right. whole horrible thing about a lie is that it, it only affects us if we believe it. Yeah. So that's what she has to overcome in the story. Okay, well... Uh, we got just a few minutes, uh, maybe about a minute before we have to go to our next break. But uh, when we come back, um, we'll talk about that, talk about the book, and uh, um, uh, more about how that story became and uh, uh, your character, Keziah. Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. Um, but um, um, I'm here with uh, Tara Johnson, uh, tarajohnsonstories.com, inspirational historical author and uh musician and just woman that is uh completely full of talent thank you so much this is alan kerr in for dave ellswick we'll be right back after these messages in for dave ellswick um he is taking a uh, very well-deserved day off it's his birthday so um turning 49 again i guess not sure but i am here this afternoon with a very charming young lady uh tara johnson uh, com is where you can see her website. She is a very talented, inspirational, historical author, inspirational speaker, and a lover of the Civil War era. Uh, she's got a book out, uh, about to be out, called Engraved on the Heart. And it is about a Civil War era um, lady by the name. What did you say the lady's name was? Keziah Kez- Montgomery. Keziah Montgomery. <laughs> Keziah Montgomery. And um, she, the name Hosea came from, you said, uh, that was one of Job's mm-hmm. in the Bible, one mm-hmm. of Job's daughters. Yes. Okay. And you say it was Job's wife that, I don't remember this particular part of the Bible, Job's wife, she was such a person that even Satan did want her. <laughs> yes. I heard Bob Smiley say that once. He said, you know, she really must have been a handful because... Satan didn't take her when he took the rest of the family. He left her alone to torment Job. Oh, and I was like, my God. To, 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 to leave it to torment Job. So you can do more work for me here than you can with me. So I'm going to leave him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, cold so, shit. <laughs> that's hilarious. Maybe not for Job. No. But, uh, Job. yeah, poor Job. Um, 
But I mean, you, you tell us about more about this book. I mean, you you uh, you said you got your inspiration from uh, Savannah, Georgia, and uh, you went there and 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 uh, you were telling us that you you uh, toured the town and and saw the, where the Underground Railroad was and uh, and all the strife and the struggles those people went through. So you felt inspired to write a love story. Yes. About it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm a big romance fan, so um, you've got to have some some good romance in there. But yeah, so Keziah, we were talking about before break, Keziah has epilepsy and is uh, passionate um, about helping people who Mm -hmm. are who are trapped, um, much the way she is um, with her own issues. You know, her family is um, very ashamed of her condition. And her childhood friend, Micah Grayson, comes back from Philadelphia. He is now a doctor, and um, but comes back uh, very much an abolitionist into Confederate Savannah. Yeah. Right. And the day that the story opens is um, April 12th, 1861, which is the day that war is declared. So wow. it starts off with the bang I bet, yeah, and literally, literally and, yeah. <laughs> and so he he helps her see um the the horrors of slavery right. and helps get her mind um turned towards doing what she can to help so you've got a, an underground railroad conductor who has epilepsy which is dangerous in and of itself and um uh, her old friend who she is quickly falling in love with who is going to be hated by her family um, so no matter where you go, there's what better just way to do it? Yeah. Yes, if, your, if your family doesn't like you, <laughs> let me find somebody that they absolutely hate. That's right. <laughs> so, and we come to find, and I can't give it away. You have to read the book. Of course. But Micah's hiding a very big secret of his own. Oh my goodness. Yes. yes. So you'll have to read it and, read and find book. out what it is. Wow. But, um, very, very fun story. And especially that Keziah has to overcome this idea that, um, Broken does not mean that I have no worth. That's what she struggles right. with through the entire thing. Um, and she has to learn that I get my worth through Christ. You know, right. It's not what I can or can't do. It's what he's done for me. So um, it was really neat. And, of course, writing anything, you learn more about yourself and your relationship with God than anything else. I think that's well, the, sure. kind of the point of, of writing is just yeah. you know, learning about the world and life and, and, and God and people and relationships. So um, it, was, it was very fun to write. Yeah. Aren't we yeah. all broken? Yes. We're all broken. We are. Nobody's perfect. No. So no. we all have to be broken in some way, shape, or form. That's right. Some more than others. That's right. <laughs> and we all, I think, put on that um, that act, that kind of facade that we've got it together. But we all know. Uh, we all try yeah. to hide it in some way. Uh, most of us do. And yeah. uh, it doesn't usually work very well, though. No. So, people yeah. think I've got it together. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, they fooled? A, I'm a preacher's kid, and yeah. for years I thought that I had to act like the perfect um, super Christian, and um, that just led to a big battle with depression. It did not go well. Oh my gosh! So you can't you can't live your life yeah. that way. Like I mentioned in a break, my father's cousin was a Baptist preacher, and uh, he had three children, two yeah. daughters and a and a and a boy. And I can tell you, nobody was in trouble more often than those kids. <laughs> They were a handful. The preacher's kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The preacher's kids. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way. Of that. Probably not you, but uh, these they they pushed the envelope. Let's put it that way. Oh well, yeah. I I've discovered, and I can't remember who it was that gave me this idea, but somebody told me, you know, Tara, and I've used it before. I'm ashamed to admit, but they said if you want to mess with people in church, just look across the aisle when it's real quiet and just mouth the words, 
I know what you did. <laughs> and watch people wig out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, again, that's that's not good. See, so. <laughs> when I was younger and, and nobody knew me, I could probably get away with that, but I can't do that. Because <laughs> they probably run and catch me after church and go, what is it? What have you got? What? <laughs> yeah. What is it? Um, <laughs> my goodness. Um, but yeah, your, your website is beautiful website, by the way, does your husband do this? Um, he, he can build websites. He is so busy with his work right now. Um, I turned to a friend of mine who is brilliant. Her name is Linda Fulkerson and she has designed so many websites. Her specialty is doing websites for authors, but she could probably do just about any website, um, that, that needed to be done. Um, but if you, if you go to uh, com and hit contact the contact me section i can yeah. give you um her contact info Great. if you'd like that she's Great. brilliant well it, when they go to your website i encourage everyone to see that trailer of your book it's the first time i've seen a trailer for a book They're kind that of is a hot so thing cool now. yeah that's a hot neat. thing i yeah. guess but but what a what a great idea to do a, a visual because it makes me think it's coming out in, in a film in a theater <laughs> near you very soon so i better go get the book um or you do like some, well, I'll just wait for the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, that could backfire. That could backfire. backfire. I didn't so, think about that. But you got a three-book deal. What um, What are the two books on the horizon other than this one? Well, the next book, I just turned it into my editor. We're going to start the editing process soon. But um, the next book is called Where Dandelions Bloom. And um, <laughs> See, I was going to write one I, with I, that title. I know. I keep taking all your I best keep taking all my I'm great sorry. ideas. Um, it's actually based on the life of a real, um, civil war soldier, a female soldier named Emma Edmonds. Um, so I base the character completely on, on Emma's life, especially her early life. And then I, you know, it's, it's fiction. So it's based on it. Not everything's completely right. And about you and another life or something. Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but Emma's story was fascinating. She, um, her dad was not a very nice man and promised her to marriage to this horrible guy who was an abuser. And, and it was right during the time the civil war was, was declared. And yeah. so she decided, no, I'm going to enlist. She was yeah. raised on a farm. Three cows so, and a chicken's what he's going to get for her or something uh, yes, like that. Something, yeah. yeah. And this, this guy she was supposed to be married to was just horrible. And so she ran off, cut off her hair. Um, and she was really good with using a gun. She grew up on a farm. So, um, she was really good as a soldier, sharpshooter. Um, in fact, she had to teach some of the city boys how to shoot. She thought, how odd is this? She wrote in her journal for a woman to be teaching man the art of war, but, you know, whatever. I think she called herself Women teach Frank men Thomas. a lot of things. They, Don't yes, care to yourself. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was so good, she caught the attention of her commanders, and she caught the attention of Alan Pinkerton, who was working for Pre, uh, President Lincoln. Yeah. They, Where Pinkerton Pinkerton Secret yes. Service, yeah. yes. So they enlisted her, actually Frank Thomas, you know, her alias, to be a spy for them. Mm-hmm. And she was so good being a spy that they finally came up to her and said, now, Frank, we've got a really hard job for you. We don't know if you can pull this off. And, and she said, well, you know, tell me what you need. And they said, this time we need you to dress like a woman <laughs> and go behind Confederate lines. Do you think oh, you can do it? all completely true and you know what's gonna be hard but i'll take it on i can do it (laughs) so that was kind of what emma's life was like so i took parts of her story and created um a a character and and a different kind of story out of that so it's pretty neat and the third story is about um a, a lady who really wanted to be a nurse but she was turned away 
And um, because she was too young, unmarried, they said she was too pretty. Uh, Dorothea Dick said, no, 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 you can't do this. So she began to sing for the soldiers. And um, her story is really remarkable. So um, that is in the rough draft state right now. So really, really neat um, heroes. So your your second book, you said you had a a gentleman that that you beta test these books with. Does he like it? He did. Yeah. Yes, he did. I think he was actually in the Civil War or something. No, or he's not. Don't. Yeah, he's not quite that old. But he's, <laughs> I could tell him that since you were there. Can you since tell you there, me can, if these are accurate? Does this ring true? <laughs> yeah, he's he's my buddy. He okay, good yeah. deal. So he's he gave a thumbs up on that one. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you've already got these pretty well on the way. They're they're coming along. Yeah. yeah. The third one needs more work than than the other. Yeah. The other one. But what yeah. is an artist ever really happy with their work? No. No, no, you can only pick it apart for so yeah. long, and then you just have to say it's, it's ah, as good as it's going to be. Gonna yeah. put a put a stamp on this and yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so what do you do with your your music uh, now that you can't do so much of that? I'm sure you got a lot of recordings and things. And what, do you do anything yeah. with that? Or um, mostly, I I do. I, I speak a lot at ladies retreats, ladies mm-hmm. groups, um, at churches. I go into prisons a lot for prison ministry. And um, so when I sing, I'm just usually singing one or two songs there to help um, kick off worship time. Or I do something funny to break the ice. You know, some of those funny songs like I'm a woman to kind of uh, break the ice a little bit and get people relaxed and laughing because story is such a great medium. Comedy is such a great medium to get people connected. And that kind of sets the mood for things. So it's good. good. We'll we'll talk a little more about that when we come back from our break, uh, our last segment of the show. And we are speaking with Tara Johnson, TaraJohnsonStories.com. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm Alan Curse. It's sitting in for Dave Ellswick at 96.5 The Answer. Toys are piled high in their bedroom tonight. No carpet to be seen A kingdom of contamination And it looks like I'm the queen And now they're scowling because They want a simple ride To the zoo, to the mall, to justice Yeah, right Are they for real? Can't they see? It doesn't matter how much they whine and plead Run me here, take me there I want a new phone Well now they'll know I said no, I said no Can't hold it back anymore I said no, I said no Don't you dare slam Come to Jesus and me I said no I said no 
absolutely wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. I've got Tara Johnson in with me. TaraJohnsonStories.com, one of the most talented women I've ever met. And I, you know, that was her parody on Let It Go. And and it was, it was, I said, no, I've got to have a copy of that. I've got to have a copy of that, whatever you do. You can have that copy. Uh, Thank my you. girls, I did that, and they said, you have made us hate this song. You've made us hate every song we have ever enjoyed because I parodied yeah. them out. And I was like, you know, some, I'm mom. That's what I'm supposed to I've do. Got, I've got a daughter with a, with a granddaughter, and, and that she needs to play that for her right away. <laughs> uh, I said, no. Don't you roll your eyes at me. Roll I said, no. Um, that is awesome. Um, so... Anybody else that wants that music, where do they find it? You can go to uh, Reverb Nation. It's not for for sale. I just it's just free to listen to. So it's www.reverbnation r e v e r b nation n a t i o n dot com and backslash Tara Johnson, and you can just listen to that and some other ones all you want. Wow! Just free for the taking. That is really cool. Oh, thanks. That is really cool. Um, it's fun. I enjoy it. I just do it for fun because I like to torture my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't, right? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to have kids, you got a little fun out of it. That's right. The torture. We, we have fun at our house. Yeah. That, that's why homeschooling has worked well for us is because we have a lot of fun. <laughs> well, so, now I know why you homeschool so they can't go to the, to the teachers and, and, their, <laughs> and, their, and their, their classmates and say, my mom is mean to me. My mom. My mom's horrible. Uh, I'm damaged because of my mom. Good for you. Good for you. We have fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, I'm here with Tara Johnson, tarajohnsonstories.com. Uh, uh, talented um, storyteller, talented inspirational uh, speaker, uh, author of uh, three books that we know of. Um, that's uh, One is out. One is a, is uh, at the printer as we speak, mm-hmm. and one still needs work. Yes, <laughs> very <laughs> one much One still so. needs work. Um, very wonderful romantic stories uh, based in the Civil War era. Um, a lot went on in the Civil War that was uh, was a positive outcome. Oh, yeah. So, um, again, uh, thank you for being here today. We've got just a My few pleasure. minutes. Uh, anything else you'd like to our listeners, our 20 listeners to hear? <laughs> <laughs> I've been kidding her. She if says, is this have... a big audience? I said, no, it's just 20 people. <laughs> well, all 20 of you. Thank you for um, sticking with us despite the last two songs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's just been an absolute a pleasure to be here uh, today. And I just want to tell everybody, um, this: the reason I write is I, I want people to know that they are loved by the God of the universe. Um, he is crazy about you and um that's why i write i just like to share that story and that message of hope you know i'm somebody who's been through depression i have been through um some hard stuff and we've talked about a little bit mm-hmm. about that um but well there, you were a preacher's kid that's hard enough. that's hard and i married a deacon's kid so that's just well, a you, setup you, for you had a very short dating pool that's, that's you know true. very very <laughs> narrow dating pool. narrow and, <laughs> You know, there's there's hope despite yeah. you know the hard stuff you go through. Yeah. Um, there is hope on, on the other side. So um, if you want to contact me anytime because you need someone to talk to, just go to the website um, tarajohnsonstories.com and contact me, and I'll be happy to to chat with you anytime. Or if you like talking books or stories yeah. or anything fun, um, if you need a laugh and need to 
swap some comedy. We'll do it. Yeah, be fun. absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, one other question. Have you yes. got a dog? I have two dogs. Uh, I have two. Because, you know, Lori was on earlier. Yes. And I would, I was, since she's a friend of yours, I'm yes. almost positive she pawned oh, some yes. of these dogs off. If <laughs> we didn't have dogs already, we would have probably 10 of her yeah. rescue dogs. Yeah. yeah. My husband's like, don't let Lori talk you into any yeah. more dogs. No, you can't talk to Lori anymore. No, that's right. We have two Bichons, and one of them is a grandma dog, and the other one is, um, he's not good. His name is Elvis, and we're pretty sure that... Um, He's doomed to eternal punishment because he is a very really? bad dog. Yes. Is, is that, that was Job's wife. Job's wife incarnate. Elvis. <laughs> Elvis. Yes. Elvis the dog Elvis. is Job's wife incarnate. He is he is such a naughty dog. Yeah. So. Yeah. But he's cute. And that's his. Tara, thank picture. you. Thank you so much for, for being here this afternoon and sharing your, your light with us. Thank you so much, You've Alan. You've been such a joy. Thanks. And uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. Thank Same you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> This is Alan Kerr sitting in for Dave Ellswick at 96.5 FM. Have a great afternoon and a great weekend. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.